peppermint, sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Last Friday in the month of August. I saw someone posting yesterday saying, oh, it's the end of Leo season and Virgo is up next. I said, oh, gosh, they're trying to compete with Leos. They'll never be able to do it. Seriously, who does that? Oh, my goodness. Poor them. All right. Having a little bit of fun in the studio this morning. How's everybody doing? Let me just check a few things. I'm going to send out my notifications to everyone in the um, WhatsApp group. So give me one quick second here. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to get a, a little bit of a Kimmerer Rays update this morning so you guys can know all the sis that we have found out. And ooh, honey child, it is hot, hot, hot. Oh, I can tell you right now. Ah, uh, uh, uh. uh, yeah. Somebody said, you got the letter? CMR, don't play. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I think in a previous life, I must have been a detective. Yes, maybe I was like assistant to Sherlock Holmes or something. Because I tell you what, I'm like a little, um, <laughs> I don't know, I'm like a hound dog. I just keep on digging and digging and digging and digging some more. That's why I, you know, good morning, everybody. This is why I tell y'all, I'm never the best person to lie to. Because when you like to me, honey child, I'd be like, mm, something don't sound right with this story. Let me start digging. And I dig and I dig and I dig and I dig some more. And you know, the, the thing about the truth, first of all, the truth doesn't take very long to come to fruition, in my opinion. Oh, Although... I must tell you, let me let me rephrase that. Sometimes it does. I feel like in this day and age, it doesn't. Uh, with technology the way that it is, you know, eventually you've got leaked emails and people who will find you and leave stuff on the door, not on the um, doorstep, under the mat, whatever. So <laughs> the truth has a way of resurfacing really, really quickly in most instances. And um, it's only a matter of time. And I think that, you know, um, you can't hide stuff for very, very long. So um, it, it is what it is. And I'm telling y'all, uh, you know, yes. What's the saying that you can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time? Well, 
Yes, honey, Jim. The truth is floating to the top. And it's one of those things where, as my aunt said the other day, my Uncle Raymond used to say, it's like, you know what? The more you stir it, the more it stink. But sometimes it's our obligation to stir it. Because by doing so and exposing the truth, I feel like we can have um, a better world, <laughs> greater transparency, greater accountability, like all of the things that we claim that we want. Of course, what we claim we want and what we actually really, really want are probably two very different things. Hmm. I was watching TV last night. This got me to thinking. Um, <laughs> you guys know that I actually don't really watch that much TV, right? I know it sounds crazy, but I just don't have time. And to be honest, the second I turn it on, I fall asleep. I'm just like, oh, oh, that TV sounds like a lullaby <laughs> to my brain. I'm just so tired. I'm like, Bloop, I'm out. So um, I, and I don't even, I never know like what TV series to watch. Like I'm really horrible. Like I like reality TV because to me, it's not stressful for me anyway, <laughs> maybe for the people in it. But um, you know, it's like, you get to see other people's drama and you're like, oh, my life isn't so bad after all. Because here are these people pretending to be rich and wanting this fabulous lifestyle. And really, they're living like me and you, paycheck to paycheck. They're on reality TV to try to become famous and start up businesses and get a paycheck and all this other stuff. Um, and so, you know, it's it's pretty interesting to have a reality check. them. And when I sit down and watch it, you know, you have a little chuckle, a little laugh. Sometimes the stories are a little bit sad. Like 90 Day Fiance, you see people getting used for a green card and you're like, yeah, we can relate to that in Cayman because people getting used here too. These marriages of convenience are a thing all over the world. You know, people looking to step up in life or to just live in a better country. And, you know, the most interesting thing about a lot of those people is they're not even willing to work hard. Like they want a green card. And they're trying to find a man or woman who's going to like just take care of them. I'm like, wouldn't, wouldn't the green card be enough of a reward? Like you get in the U.S., you get a green card. All you have to do is remain faithful to your partner, which apparently is very, very difficult <laughs> for some people. And um, get, a, get a good job and, you know, start working. Most of these people have no skills. They, you know, minimum wage jobs. When they become like Pedro, okay, he gets a sales job um, in a Hispanic, you know, uh, what's he in, a, a real estate company. All of a sudden, honey child, he thinks he's arrived because he got a little sales job and sells one or two homes. Got a little commission money in his pocket. He's like, oh, I don't need Chantel anymore. I've now arrived. So he's divorcing her. But anyway, I was sitting there watching this new show that my husband introduced me to. I was, I was watching a couple of days ago or last week. I saw him watching an episode and it was so weird. Like sometimes Marlon watches like the most unusual stuff. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? 
And then he said, oh, it's a series called The Sandman. And I was like, mm, okay. So he pulled it up on the TV for me. And he's like, here, watch episode one. It's only the first season in. So I said, all right. So I start watching it. I'm about, I think last night I made it to episode three or four. So the episode last night that I was watching was about um, this guy who has a ruby that the ruby forces people to like tell the truth. So he his, he came into this ruby. It's a long story, but you got to go watch it if you can. So I don't want to give anything away, but he comes into this ruby. Obviously, it doesn't belong to him, but, you know, his mom gave it to him. And so now he's able to use it. And he thinks since the ruby forces people to tell the truth that he wants to go, he wants to make a world where everybody is 100% truthful and that's going to make the world better. Well, mm-mm-mm. as it turns out, that's not the case at all. So the, the most of the scene is him in a car with a lady <clears throat> that he's driving. Oh, well, she's driving him to his destination because she almost ran him over. And he's like, oh, you know, poor little lady. She's trying to be, she's really a nice person because I ain't pick up no stranger in this day and age at night and putting them in my back seat talking about, oh, where do you need a ride to? I'm like, oh, and in the United States of America? Even in Cayman, I'm not doing that. Y'all must be crazy. She's a big dog in the car, but the dog is so friendly. I'm like, the dog and I could probably even bite the man. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Wouldn't be doing it. Anyway, um, Scott, you got to check out this, this series. So anyway, um, <clears throat> she, she starts to see that she's in a little bit of danger because he reveals like he's killed people. He was in a mental institution, like all this stuff. She's like, oh my God, what have I done? But he likes her because she's genuinely a nice person and, you know, she didn't have to help him. So he doesn't end up hurting her in any way. So, um, but when he gets into this little, um, like, uh, little mom and pop deli, little restaurant, whatever, he uses the ruby to force everybody to tell the truth. Oh, my God. It's off the chain what comes out. So, like, the waitress is like, you know, she walks over to him and she's like, hey, handsome, what are you going to have for breakfast? And he's like, you don't really think I'm handsome, do you? And then he, he holds the ruby to, to force it to tell the truth. And she's like, no, I don't. <laughs> and then he's like, well, why did you say that? She's like, because I want you to like me, you know, better tips, whatever. You know, they're just, they're things you say every day that are technically not the truth at all. They're like little white lies. You know, you see somebody, you say, oh my gosh, your baby's so cute. And in your brain, you're like, oh my God, that's the ugliest baby ever. <laughs> you know, like you really don't think the baby's cute. Or you see children like misbehaving and everybody in the salon's like, oh, that's so cute. And you say, yeah, but you really like, mm, I could take out my belt right now and whoop that child. That's what you're thinking, but you're not necessarily going to say it or you're not going to be honest about how you're feeling. So, you know, we tell these little white lies all the time. You go get your hair done and the, the um, salon lady, the um, stylist says, oh, I want you to try something new. And, they, and they're like, do you like it? And you're like, yeah, it'll grow on me. Yeah, 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 I like it. Instead of just saying, no, I hate it. Can you redo it? I don't like the color. I don't like the cut. You know, so as human beings, you know, we kind of get through life telling a lot of little, little white lies. 
And so when he forces in this particular episode, when he forces everybody to tell the truth, you find out that the couple who are celebrating their fifth wedding anniversary, you know, she's the CEO of a company. They look like the perfect couple, right? Eating spinach salads and, you know, the husband's like fit, whatever. He really wanted the double Decker burger and he couldn't tell his wife the truth is I'm sick and tired of you forcing this stupid diet on me. I want a double Decker burger. You know, you're, you're too demanding. You're wearing the pants in the family. I can't stand you for that. I mean, it was just when he forced everybody to tell the truth, it was off the chain crazy what happened. Because then he revealed what he really thought about his wife. She revealed how she's like, you know, she picked him up <laughs> out of nowhere. He wasn't going to be nobody without her. It was just unbelievable. Even the the lady who like works in the restaurant, she's a waitress and the kitchen help, you know, she had a little crush or whatever on him. So she would cook him dinner and invite him over, you know, sit down with her and his son and watch TV, whatever. And um, when he told the truth, because she's like, oh, you know, do you want to come over later for dinner? And he's like, no, I don't want to come over for dinner. He said, to be honest, I'm not interested in you in that way. And, you know, I only come over because I'm actually hooking up with your son. <laughs> Trust me, she was flabbergasted. She's like, what? He, yeah, he said, when you fall asleep in front of the TV after dinner, I go upstairs with your son. It was, my my mind was like blown throughout this entire episode. I was like, what the hell? So in the background, you hear the um, TVs on and the news is falling apart. Explosions everywhere like total chaos in the world, because as it turns out, you really don't want people to walk around being 100% truthful all the time, because it would be total chaos. And I kind of get the point of the episode, because I'm like, you know, in a way, that's actually true, right? I mean, trust me, I know, because sometimes I have a little thought in my head, and I'm like, you know, if I really told this person what I thought about them, they would be like, uh, what? It's like this one young lady, right? She's always messaging saying that she needs a food voucher. I had to go back in my messages since last year. I've been giving her food vouchers every time. Oh, you know, I put in an application at this place. But I get... Now I know it's hard to find a job sometimes, especially when you have no qualifications in life and you're putting in applications and people aren't hiring you. But do I even believe that she's putting in applications? No. If I were to, if I was in this episode and the guy put me to the test with the Ruby, I'd be like, honey child, I don't believe that you're applying for any jobs. And I also have heard stories about how you got your Jamaican man that, and your Caymanian man that came out of prison, right? And you're taking care of him and you're going to prison and buying him this and this. All, all these things that I hear about you, I would be telling you to your face. Like you need to, you need to prioritize your children because you use the children every time you're hungry about, oh, the children are hungry and you need to try and prioritize them like for real and stop trying to play me for a fool because I wasn't born no fool. I'm not a damn fool. You know, I know a thing or two about con artists and you are a con artist. If we were in a totally truthful world, I'd be like, really? Instead, you know, we pretty it up like, listen, honey, Jill. It's still the truth, but it's not the coldest and the hardest of the truth. So I say, listen to me. I just had to pay school fees like everybody else. I just had to, um, you know, get uniforms, get them altered. 
I have to pay my bills. Y'all see the CUZ bill coming rolling in. I had to pay that. I'm also helping other people who are less fortunate. But those people don't come to me every other month talking about they need food vouchers again to feed their children. You know, a lot of those people are trying to help themselves, but maybe they haven't gotten to the stage where um, they could get the school materials. So I'm out there hustling. Sometimes I'm begging other people for other people, <laughs> right? So I'm getting backpacks from, uh, donated from other people so I can give to people because everybody's on a budget. Everybody's got financial restraints. So, um, and then some, t- some people, it's like, it's not even worth telling them the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not going to change. They have grown up where they believe that everybody's here at their women call. That the, you know, the society owes you something. Society is going to um, pay your way for the rest of your life when you're not even holding accountability. <laughs> Anthony says, you get a ruby and you get a ruby. <laughs> yes, honey child. Imagine what a world it would be. Oh my God. Atlas says, good thing I watched the whole thing. So spoilers don't bother me. Am I giving away too much Atlas? So um, that's kind of where I stop. But oh, it's it's a very interesting series. I must tell you. It's crazy. Yeah. So there are times, though, when we talk about honesty, um, Cameron has me crazy. Uh, Cameron has crazy. Maybe Cameron does have me crazy, truth be told. But Cameron says, try easy, not Sandy. Give me stories right around the corner. The thing about the truth, though, is there are times when the truth is a necessary evil. And I don't know why we say that. Well, after last night's episode, I can see where the truth can be perceived um, as evil. You know, because it's it's raw, it's unfiltered. Yeah. And so in government affairs in particular, I do think the truth is necessary. I think in a lot of her personal relationships, the truth is also necessary. You don't exercise it to its full extent every day. So, you know, when your husband puts on a particular shirt and you're like, oh, God, that looks horrible. You're not going to say it like that. You might be like, oh, honey, try this next one. This goes better with your complexion. (laughs) The truth is you hated the first shirt and you should have just said to him, yeah, can we put that shirt in the garbage or donate it or something? Because that's just not, uh -uh. that's not for you. But, you know, the more I reflect on the truth, I'm also very, very aware that truth be told, Most of y'all don't want the truth with government officials either. You tell yourself you want the truth. And then when the truth is told, you find ways to defend people. You find ways to deflect. And you still vote them in office anyway. How many of you? Straight straight up. So good morning to everyone. We got Miss Vernita, Siobhan, Cameron says tea time. Diamond Princess is here. Vicky says, my coffee is hot and ready to sip. I got my tea ready too. Uh, Kenzie's wondering, where did the month go so fast? Rovina's here. Miss Iva, Ervalyn. Good morning to Scott. Oh my God, today is Friday, Scott. <gasps> I'm going to see you. I'm going to go have my curry chicken cone today. Miss um, Vernita says, um, 
Sandy, when you're straight and truthful, God always sends the right thing to you. So keep being tr truthful. God bless you. Thank you. Um, Cameron says, sometimes people be acting a fool all the time. <laughs> and Cameron goes on to say, and you the best at your job. I appreciate that. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Buenos dias to Miss Rita. She says, es viernes. Those of you who don't speak enough Spanglish, that means it's Friday. Cameron, did you miss the weigh-in? No, 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 no. We haven't. Don't worry. This weekend, I'm going to be putting the group together. I was kind of reformatting folds and stuff, so don't you worry. I'm going to get to you. Um, Cameron also says documentaries is the way to go. Reality TV is so scripted. Yeah, so listen. Atlas loves the Sandman. Yeah, it's a, it's a good show. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm getting into it. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to drop any spoiler. You're right. I shouldn't say anything else. Cameron says, can we find this Ruby in Amazon? Because I need one. <laughs> Good morning, John. So, yes. Yeah, so I want to ask y'all a truthful question. Speaking of truth. How many of you ever found out something about a politician? Like, you know, y'all claim that you're Christians. Truth is, most of you are really not. <laughs> you go to church. You know, you have all kind of evil thoughts in your head all day long. Truth be told, you're gambling, you're having affairs, you're fornicating, you're doing all kind of stuff that is not Christian-like. And I'm not here to necessarily judge you. I'm just saying you're not a Christian. You're, you're a Christian of convenience. So certain topics that you think, oh, I need to speak out, the LGBT community, yeah, that's against God. And oh, and we got brimstone and fire upon them people. And then everything else you sit back and you remain silent about, right? So the truth means that when you hear your next door neighbor molested a child, you ain't got nothing to say about that truth. You knew your uncle was the family pedophile from one generation to the next. He ruined the lives of multiple children and you're not speaking the truth on that. So the truth eludes a lot of us if we were being completely honest. How many of you heard something about a politician? I don't care what it is, right? So you say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in family values and all this kind of stuff. And then you hear a story that you know is true about your neighborhood politician. And you still went to the polls and voted for them because maybe the truth is of the options you had, it was like the lesser of the two evils. My apologies, of the two evils. And so you're like, well, pick the devil I know. Even though he's the devil, let's go with it. So sometimes that is, that is the truth, right? That your pickings are really, so it's like, okay, either I don't vote at all, which people don't like to see low voter turnout. Or when you go to the polls, you're like, it's not much of a choice, to be honest. And then you put people in that you realize that mm, they got egos bigger than the universe, the metaverse. They're not really all that intelligent. They talk a good talk. And there's a difference between being intelligent, coming up with viable solutions that you've thought through in your head that you've worked out before shooting off at the hip. Some politicians suffer from what I call diarrhea of the mouth. 
They just love to talk. And as someone who's in the talking business, to some extent, I understand why they love to talk because it's all about creating a certain appearance for you. It's not about having honest conversations, honest moments, showing their weaknesses in a real authentic way. It's more about the more I talk and the more I blab off at the mouth, the more people will think the electric will, the electorate will believe that I'm actually getting something done. And talking doesn't equate to action. And this is something that I feel that um, a lot of people don't get, right? You can have a perception of an individual because you see them on TV, for example, you see them on a talk show, you see them talking, and you think that that perception is reality. And it isn't necessarily. That's why I always think it's weird when people say to me, oh, Sandy, um, you should run for politics. I'm like, why? Everybody you see on a talk show that talks about the issues that we are collectively facing in a, as a country, that talks about maybe some solutions, you believe that that alone, the optics of they've got some solutions, they know how to deliver something verbally to you, means that they should be a good politician. And there's nothing really farther from the truth. Now, we've been through talk show hosts, people in front of a camera, who, as it turned out, <laughs> decided to run for politics because, again, it's, it's a little bit of a popularity thing, right? And uh, when they got into it, then you had a reality check that, oh, man, yeah, they kind of, they're lazy. Um, they're not the most honest people, really, although they were, we thought they were telling the truth on their platform, they sat there for 12 years and said, no port, anti-port, the port don't make sense. And they broke it down for you as to why the port is gonna be an environmental disaster. It's gonna do this, it's gonna do that. And the second they get into politics, what do they do? They flip like a light switch. And y'all were so shocked. Here y'all, oh my God. I couldn't believe that he flipped. I was like, geez, I'm peace, really? A lot of times people are incapable of telling the truth because of money. You hear this saying about the love of money is the root of all evil. And there are times when money will make you do things and say things or not say things or not take a position. Oh, Jonathan, you know, I'm not running for politics ever again. I did it before, for those of you who may not know. Lost miserably, the truth be told. And people are like, oh, you know, the people that came out and said didn't know who you were and did it. I'm like, listen, where I sit right now is the best possible position in the world. Y'all hear me saying all the time, you're right where you're supposed to be. I can solve real world problems for individuals. Let me give you an example. Yesterday, a lady sent me an email and geez, um, it was pretty long complaining about a certain situation with her and a local business. And I read the email and I said, okay, I've had experiences with this business before and um, they've been positive. 
her scenario has been going on for over a year. And I thought, wow, this isn't, this isn't a good look for the company. And I'm sure exactly what she's saying that, you know, even if I take it at 50% and half of it's true, it's not a good situation. So I said to myself, let me call because I know the people who own the business. And, you know, I also know that these are individuals who try to run an honest business. Like they, they're not out there purposely trying to take advantage of people. So I said to myself, let me call them. And I called them and I said, hey, got an email today. And it's quite a bit of information. And, um, you know, it has a lot to say uh, about this poor experience that this woman has had. And they said, okay. They said, let, let me... Um, let me look into it and I'm going to deal with this. I said, all right, I'm going to show you all something here in a second. So I've given them the opportunity to fix it. And this is what the woman, uh, she received, they promptly called her and she replied back. And she said, I have a whole new level of respect and appreciation for you. Once this is all resolved, I would like to share without specifying the particular issue but to share how your platform has helped people like me who would not have been helped otherwise and how you're actually bettering many lives by giving a voice to the voiceless. And further, you've shown that you're not about tearing people down as you did not have to reach out to the accused party and encourage mediation. I know your show would have gotten a lot of views based on the fact of who the accused party is, yet you did not jump to that point. This is commendable. And I thank you for that, as no one really wants their issues on public display, even if they're innocent. I hope one day you'll consider running for public office. I would vote for you, even if that meant I had to move in your electoral district to do so. Wow. <laughs> you seem to always get the job done. I thank God for your kind help, and I will surely keep you posted. Thank you. It was, it was nice to get such a kind um, response and for people to actually appreciate what, what it is that I do do, <laughs> right? Um, and I appreciate it. And yeah, I have no interest in running for politics because I'm able to do this when a politician wouldn't, able to, wouldn't be able to do this. Because if a politician picked up the phone and called a business owner, next thing you know, you're like, oh, this politician is trying to throw around their weight and, you know, as a politician, you have to really tread carefully because some of these same businesses, and these are big money people, you're relying on for donations and financial support and all kind of stuff. So a lot of politicians, they're like, no, I can't be picking up no phone call, nobody like that for you, honey, Joe. I uh, try to deal with people as respectful as I can. 99% of the time, I'm able to do that. Some of y'all really act the fool. And I must tell you that um, respect is something that's earned. And although I try to keep my cool, y'all know sometimes I'm going to really just peel that layer off and I'm just going to tell you like it is. And, and sometimes my truth comes with no respect whatsoever because you haven't earned any. 
Now, I don't mind helping out this business because like I said, they have a reputation that I'm aware of. I didn't feel like any of the things that the woman complained about were being done on purpose, right? Sometimes it's just your workers are a little bit slack. They're not doing things up to standard. That's different than someone like a, the worker who owns the company who isn't paying his guys and then he gets on this platform and lies through his teeth. Because, you know, when you lie to me, I'm just like, oh, you've just lost, you've lost. If I had any respect for you, you've definitely lost it. Come clean. So, yeah, Sandy, sometimes I'm having a little bit of financial difficulty and I haven't made payroll for seven weeks. Some of my guys have gotten evicted from their homes. But I'm going to deal with it. Yes, maybe I'm spending too much money on the Spanish girlfriend who can be on the chat talking about how she got her own money. Where you get your own money from? Because when you lie to me, you force me to tell a different level of the cold hard truth. And there are times when I don't reach out to you because I've heard the story too many times to not believe what I'm hearing. So when I have five, 10, 15 people saying the exact same thing about your construction company not paying people, I'm like, I believe these people. They're all different. Some are expats, some are locals. You know, they're living in fear of their work permit being canceled. And I have no doubt that these people are telling the truth. I don't like to take sides in any situation because there's always a degree of my side, your side, and somewhere in the middle, there's a very different situation. People call me complaining about the HSA. I said, all right, let me reach out to the CEO. I said, hey. This is the complaint that I'm, y'all don't know how many complaints I'd be sending to people. And I give them an opportunity to fix it. I'm like, this is what's coming in. Can you deal with this without me having to put you in blast? Yes, Sandy, we'll take care of it. Sometimes all a person needs is a phone call. Ring. Miss Ebanks, I'm so sorry for the loss of your husband. I'm going to initiate an investigation into the response at the ER, like what really happened, right? When he went in there with pain and they sent him back home with a little tablet, maybe that wasn't the right response. We're going to look into it. Maybe we need to start firing some of these so-called doctors. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe we need to have regular audits of the ER encouraging people to give us feedback. Hmm. Giving people the opportunity to fix situations is not above what we do here. But there's some people who don't even deserve an opportunity because they're just out there to wreak havoc, to use people, to abuse people, and to do whatever they want. They don't care. And for those persons, I have little regard for and little mercy for them. In the world of politics, even in the world of politics, I tried to exercise a similar degree of, I'm going to give you a chance. These politicians are young, most of them first-time politicians, second-time politicians. You know, despite what they think in their head, they're not really, oh, I was a professional this, that, that. Okay, all right, Bobo, it's okay. I know that you don't have a whole lot of training, but listen. You've come from far. Some of y'all I have gone to bat for. 
Where's Daniel this morning? Is Daniel listening to the show? I'm not going to say Daniel's last name because he knows exactly who I'm talking about. There's one particular politician that he was like, oh, I would never vote for him. Look at his track record. This and that. And I said, Daniel, here is why sometimes you do give people a chance who are less than perfect. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Ooh, Alexa, child, honey, you're not perfect. Hear her. Alexa. Nobody's talking to you. But she's going to keep trying. Maybe that's today's lesson. You just keep trying sometimes <laughs> like, like her. She, she probably doesn't have no internet connection, but she's going to keep trying. <laughs> so I went to bat for some people, you know, and I said, listen, I believe this person has a good heart. I believe in second chances, even third chances. Lord knows some of y'all have had 20 chances. I'm not above, listen, nobody's perfect. And I'm just like, you know, sometimes you don't need the most educated people in politics. Like I think for certain ministries, it certainly helps to have educated people. It, ha it helps to have people with the right, um, the right personality traits, not necessarily like an expertise in a particular area because they're relying on the expert knowledge of other people. So one of the things that politicians should have is an ability to discern BS from, from other stuff, right? A discerning spirit. To know when a politician, um, not a politician, a um, civil servant brings you a plan, you can then talk about why, oh yeah, this might not work because of X, Y, Z, or you know the correct answers to ask. So I'm like, you know, just because someone has had a sordid past doesn't mean that they may not be, and again, there are other traits you need to be looking for, good material when it comes to being an elected official. Not necessarily. You have to look at the whole picture. Sometimes your past is definitely an indication, especially when it's like a broken record and it keeps happening every single day. It is an indication of your personality traits and the fact that you're not really capable of any significant change. And you notice the cracks when people are under pressure, financial pressure, marital problems, all sorts of stuff, right? But you give people an opportunity. And then you just sit back and you make observations and you watch because ultimately people will show you who they are. You just need to pay attention. And when people start to show me who they are, you better believe I'm taking a lot of notes. Yeah. So some people, their arrogance, even when they shouldn't be arrogant, because God knows they don't really know much of anything, but they still come with this, I know it all attitude. I need to be the center of attention 24 seven as a politician. It's not a good look. Sometimes you need to fall back. Okay. Observe, learn. And who you take lessons from is as equally as important as taking the lesson. Because some of these new politicians trying to learn from politicians who've been at the game for a while, who are really not the best example. 
their day has come and gone. The glory days are over. And the, the traits that they're picking up from them, because maybe they've got some good traits, but the traits that they're picking up are not the best traits. They're picking up like garrison style foolishness. And, you know, Friday, we do Mailbag Friday, we talk politics. Today is about politics and Cayman Airways. I want to say this much about Cayman in Jamaica. We are like the siblings or the cousins that really sometimes just don't get along, but still have a lot of love for each other. But there's certain things that happen in your cousin's household or your sister's household or your sibling's household that you don't allow in your own household. Just different, different standards. And when you talk about these things, maybe a sibling or a cousin might get insulted that, okay, that's not how I raise my kids. That's not how I do this or do that. And no insult to be given, but Jamaican politics and Cayman politics are two very, very different things. And the two shall never be meshed together, in my opinion. The history of Jamaican politics has not really been one that we should be esteeming to. But we see some Cayman politicians who are very, very comfortable. And you know who you are. And I got to call nobody's name this morning. You know who you are. They're very, very comfortable rubbing shoulders with Jamaican politicians and adopting. And this isn't something new for the record, right? We've had certain members of a political party. And like I said, I'm not even going to call their names this morning because if you know, you know. Certain members of a political party who um, they would go to Jamaica, they would get their uh, consultants from Jamaica to come before the, because they all do, the parties do this. Before the election, they do all these surveys, they're polling people, um, they're advising them on strategy. All those people are Jamaican strategists, political strategists. And I'm not saying that they don't know what they're doing. I'm saying the context of Jamaican politics versus Cayman politics are two very, very different things. And we don't need Jamaican politics in the Cayman Islands. We don't need that mentality. We don't need that formula. If it has worked for them, good for them, but we don't need it. And there are politicians who for a very long time have engaged in this garrison style politics. And we see it continuing even today, right here in the Cayman Islands. And they're interjecting it slowly but surely. And some of you are not even paying attention. You don't see it. Hmm. The showmanship, the lack of substance has me concerned when it comes to politicians. Cameron says, preach it, honey child. Cameron also says, and that's the line and the bridge we need to draw. We can draw some lines here this morning. Because it is one thing to have our Caribbean brothers and sisters, whether, you know, like I said, a lot of us, we're married to Jamaicans. We have Jamaican cousins. My grandfather was a Jamaican that came here to the Cayman Islands. But it still doesn't mean that you have to adopt everything from other people. You don't have to adopt that mentality from people. You don't have to adopt their methodologies. What works for them or what hasn't worked for them is what it is. That's, that's not us. Anthony says some of these new politicians are fickle. 
it's 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 not even some of it is a lack of maturity right in politics and generally speaking and a lot of it is duplicitous some of your politicians are dishonest and i'm talking about the pat government okay i'm not going to touch progressives today cuz y'all know i can go for weeks talking about them but we're not going to even talk about them today Let's put the patent government under a microscope this morning. Yes, some of them are duplicitous. They're like a Spanish machete. They cut you on all sides. They lie to the people. They lie to the civil servants. They, they lie to everybody. They're lying to their wives. They're not honest any way, shape, or form. They're even lying to themselves. If we had that ruby this morning, child, the truth. Mm, mm, mm. So yes, they lie and we're here to keep them accountable. When you get into political office, it's not about, oh, the fancy invites, the dinner, everybody knowing your name. It's not about running around kissing babies and all that kind of foolishness. You are there to work for the people and we actually expect you to work. Taking a million trips overseas may not be benefiting the people of the Cayman Islands when you can't even get shit done here. Focus. Some of them lack focus. They can't concentrate on anything for 10 minutes. That's why they're all over the place. Diarrhea of the mouth is a symptom of not being able to focus. Your hair there and everywhere. No ability to focus your energy on what solutions are. And so the other problem with that is they throw out everything. It's like rapid fire. What's, what's going to stick? We got 50 million ideas. One might stick because you're trying to get applause and a pat on the back. That's why you're out there with diarrhea of the mouth instead of keeping your damn mouth shut. And the problem with that is you've got a finite amount of time in office. You've got four years, honey child. Try to accomplish something in the four years and get it right. Now I know the people are out there wanting a solution to every single thing. And that's why I keep telling y'all, you can't do everything in four years. You can't do everything in eight years. Social programs, things, even you know, societal ills that have existed for as long as we've been around, take time to fix. And it starts with changing the mentality of your people, which is the hardest thing in the world to do. It's legislative changes. Rolling out of those legislative changes, and then you see from there how it goes. But listen to me. Some of the stuff that's being focused on. Oh, let's introduce gambling. How the hell is that going to make your life any better? Do, do you really care? Now, I see the problem with illegal numbers and the criminal element that is swirling around that. What they need to do is amend the existing laws that we have on the books 
Well, if you get caught gambling, you get caught with the proceeds of criminal um, property, you're going to jail. It's a more serious offense. It's not a $10 fine. Because we have people here who are running around with guns and all sorts of stuff because they're in the gambling business. And they have $50,000 cash on them at all times that they're trying to protect. And there are other criminals out there who know that they walked around $50,000 and they want to kill them and take the money. So shut the gambling business down. The solution of, oh, let's just legalize it, is not going to stop the underbelly of illegal gambling. Okay, we've imported that from Honduras. We've imported it from Jamaica and other places. Y'all, your politicians can't tell you the truth because they think the easy solution, because most y'all buying numbers, is, oh, well, let's just make it legal. A legal numbers game is not going to be the same thing as what you're playing now. But your politician's not going to tell you that. They're not going to be honest with you. Oh, let's have a referendum. Let's make gambling legal. That doesn't solve your problems. Those of you who are addicted to gambling will still be addicted to gambling. You steal from your employers. You steal from your family. You steal from your boyfriend to support your gambling habit. That isn't going to change. Making gambling legal does not help those people. Politicians need to focus. The most important things in this country that require your attention, cost of living, criminality and safety, getting our industries back up to speed, that is what we need you to focus on. Politics is also competitive. Morning, Ms. Charlene. And in competition, you know, um, you got to sing your own praises, I suppose, sometimes. <laughs> Flashpoint says, are you trying to burn down the house this morning? Laughing out loud. Shall we just have a moment of truth? Mm-mm-mm. When you're in politics, some people get a little bit competitive. huh? You know, they got a ministerial position, but that's not enough. They want to be deputy premier. They want to be premier. They want this. They want that. And let me tell y'all something. The truth, these guys who are in there now, all of them, including the opposition, have egos as big as this country. I suppose maybe you don't get into politics if you don't have a big ego. So you think it's like a case of the egg before the chicken? Getting into politics inflates your ego? That's very possible. I could see how that argument would work. But then maybe it takes a certain personality and a certain ego to get into politics in the first place. Maybe it's a little bit of both, truth be known. Huh, it's possible. But I can see that some people who have gotten a particular position now, the, the ego has been inflated even more. And so now they're starting to show these semi-egotistical narcissistic traits and it happens and you know you i've told you guys before even with the premier there was a time he was with the progressives and i knew wayne outside of politics now wayne and i are not best friends i don't want y'all to get it confused you know but he was he was like 
a mentor adjacent. Like I could call him and ask him like a legal question or whatever. You know, I know he's a very altruistic person. He likes to help people where he can. So over the years, you know, when, he, when Wayne got into politics, I wasn't part of the progressives at that time. I already had left. And um, so I, I don't know what was happening within the party, but I saw a change in him. And I was like, you know, the way I would hear him talk in the radio, say, I'm like, Mm-mm. what have they done to the Wayne that I knew? So I suppose sometimes, y'all see this old cough still lingering. Politics <clears throat> can change you for the worse. And I see a lot of that going on, honey, Jill. <clears throat> the egos, the things that people focus on, right? Listen to this situation. Y'all not gonna believe this. One politician got upset. <coughs> oh my gosh, excuse me. Mm-mm-mm. One politician got upset because another politician <clears throat> Uh, was not able to do a speech or something at an event. And I'm not giving you all, all the details because I don't necessarily want you to know who it is, but someone come. And they got upset because <clears throat> that politician picked another minister. And they're like, oh, well, they should have picked me. So they didn't go to the event. I'm like, how childish is that? Mm, mm, mm. This is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with childish people whose feelings get hurt really, really easily because they lack emotional intelligence. Okay, they're book smart. Some of them have law degrees. They've got accounting degrees and all this kind of stuff. And having a degree for the record doesn't make you intelligent because I've seen people with degrees who are fool as fly but they have no emotional intelligence and they get caught up in all these games and trying to undercut each other. And they're part of a team, but yet they're, they're back in news on each other and talking about each other and all kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Yes, honey, chill. I can see them now, like little girls on the play field, tattletale. Oh, did you know that this person said, and then sometimes they'd be lying on each other. The person didn't even say it like that. And all they do, when, when you're a group, when you're a, supposed to be a cohesive group of people trying to work together for singular objective on behalf of the people of the Cayman Islands and bettering their lives, but you're hyper-focused on yourself, trying to make yourself look good, you're losing the plot. You don't need to be in the limelight all the time. You don't need to be constantly throwing half-ass and half-baked proposals and messages out there that makes the people that came around go, what? Oh, yeah, they're doing something because every time I turn around, they're talking, you know. That doesn't mean that they're doing anything. It's a perception. And this is why sometimes I say to some of the MPs who are a little bit more on the quiet side, Yes, you have to let people know what you're doing. Because if you are if you are doing it and people don't know, then 
the perception is you're not doing that. But the opposite is also true. People who do the most talking and appear to be doing the most are the ones who are doing the least. So do not be fooled. Mm-hmm. Don't be fooled. Do not be fooled. Miss Anne joining us. Are you in Tampa, Miss Anne? She says some of them are not politicians. They've selected if they've been selected to fill a void and the campaign money gets them elected. The power of money is our new election results. Well, not really. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that, Miss Anne. And I don't even know when we say that, you know, what, what is a politician? To me, a politician isn't, isn't a <clears throat> profession that most of us should be aspiring to. Like, that's not a good word <laughs> to say that I'm a politician. You're supposed to be an advocate for the people. And you're elected to do so and you're paid a salary. And you should be doing your best job. Ms. Romelia says they tend to run you around instead of taking responsibility and doing the right thing. Well, when I try to hold them responsible, I know they get a little bit salty at me, honey chill. Anthony says solid taste of the cold heart truth, truth today, Bobo. So what happens when they get upset with me? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Okay. Amongst each other, they're like, oh, Sandy doesn't like me. And then somebody else comes to me. Oh, they've asked me to talk to you. I said, listen, this person's a big man or a big woman. Tell them come talk to me their damn selves. That's what happened to Alden during the election. He has sent some little lackey boy to come talk to me. You don't, you don't send nobody to come talk to me. If you have a message or you have a request or something, be man or woman enough and come and talk to me. I do not bite. I might tell you the truth and you might not like it, but there's nothing wrong with that. We can agree to disagree. I'll sit down and break bread with you and hell, I might even make you pay for it. The privilege. Mm-hmm. I will have an audience or conversation with almost anybody. Very few people I'm gonna to refuse to talk to. And if you think that I'm being unfair to you, I wanna hear why you think that so that we can address it and we can move on. But when you have to run to like the premier, the deputy premier or somebody else, like, oh, Sandy doesn't like me and all this kind of foolishness. I'm like, what? That don't even make no sense. You want to run to the governor? You know, the progressives used to do that all the time. They'd run to the governor. Oh, we don't know how Sandy got this information. We need a big investigation into how this document got leaked. Even the government is, oh, how did she know that? It's like, really? Do you know the information that I get on a regular basis? Stop asking me how I know something. Just assume I'm psychic and leave it at that. <laughs> funny, <coughs> funny story yesterday, I had somebody message me and they said, Sandy, I know you're not going to tell me your source. And I said, you're damn right about that. <clears throat> but did it come from my board? And I said, nope, it didn't. I said, well, at least that person knows that. <laughs> Don't even ask who it was because you're not getting that information. 
So they get upset with me and then they start telling each other, well, she gonna turn on you. And I said, boy, I don't, I don't turn on any politicians. I speak the truth. And if the truth doesn't make you look good, that is something you should be trying to fix. Some of y'all need a coming to Jesus moment. So yesterday, I'll take not my little blue dart notebook. Thank you, dart. <laughs> I have a friend who works at dart that gave me these little notebooks and boy, they're nice to write in. So I'll be writing a lot of court notes and stuff in here sometimes, me and my scribble scribble. So <clears throat> big shout out to the person who hooked me up with these little blue books, child. So I don't have a little black book, I have a little blue book. <laughs> So um, yesterday I had the opportunity to sit down and write my little book, honey child. And then, you know, sometimes I'm writing and geez, um, piece the handwriting is so horrible that I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to read this afterwards. So then I pull out the laptop and start typing. So I, had, I started writing and then I pulled out the laptop and, and so I'm going to be flipping between the two this morning. What is happening at Cayman Airways um, that has been highlighted by the resignation of Jews Scott is most disturbing. And I'm gonna go through it. And I'm gonna talk about this situation. Uh, Ms. Sandra says, thank you, Sandy. Thank you. We're always unique and apart. We did it on our own with honesty and integrity. Let's keep it that way. Um, <clears throat> Hit it, says uh, Mr. Amelia. Aliano says, yep. They don't skin up to slap people with $400 plus speeding tickets and then threaten to throw you in prison for 10 months. Make it make sense. Miss Wanda says public transport. We need some solutions. Miss Ann says, um, Sandy, the morning chuckle um, gone. <clears throat> when, the, when the topic went to our politicians, you are the best. Hmm. Good morning to James joining us from Canada. Uh, pension law needs revamping. Listen, a lot needs revamping and to be fair to this government. But, you know... <laughs> They can't do it all, especially in four years. Mr. Amelia says, not only gambling, but marijuana as well. It makes me wonder if they themselves are using it. Sue says, Cayman is very unique and always has been. Yes, our, our um, histories might be intertwined, but there is a difference between the two. Damaris is watching us from Queens, New York. Charlene says, now this area is a real demon that needs addressing very seriously. Oh, my Lord. Sylvia says, oh, my, I was considering politics. Oh, Sylvia, girl, you're not ready for that. No, no, teeny. I can tell you why. Um, <laughs> like I said, I don't know if politics changes people. Or if it just brings out, it has the potential to bring out that the worst in people. Because everybody has good intentions. Well, not everybody. Let me, let me have my ruby in my hand and be honest. No, not everybody who gets into politics has good intentions from the work, for the jump. Some of them have no good intentions at all. They want a free paycheck. And I see it coming. Those of you who can't hold a job, you're out there owing people all kind of money. And you jump up, tell me you want to run for politics and you know who you are. Today, not your day and not your time yet, but it's coming. Because one day you, you're going to be featuring Seymour again and you know exactly who I'm talking about, young lady. And some of y'all young men. 
So you see politics, my apologies for the coffin this morning. You see politics as easy money. What is it? $8,000 a month? And some of y'all don't even work. Mm -hmm. You show up to events. You want to cut a ribbon. <clears throat> you want to, uh, your civil servants doing all the work for you. You're taking the credit. And you're still getting paid. You know, there's not even a mandatory attendance in the Legislative Assembly. So Kevin says more money and power always inflates people's egos. Well, they need to bring it back. I've seen people that we had high hopes for go in there and now they're floundering. There should be a school for politicians <laughs> that y'all need to go to if you're interested in politics. Mind you, there are online courses you can take, by the way, but most of y'all don't want to do nothing like that. You don't want to study and learn how to be an effective leader. That's what being a, pol a good politician should be about, leadership qualities. Y'all are a hot mess. You're a hot mess in your businesses. You're a hot mess in your personal life, and you just do not have it together. And what are you, what are you attracted to? Politics. At some point, <clears throat> it makes a little bit of sense because people who, you have to have a real love of country to want to get involved in politics when you don't really have, you don't have that need. You don't need a paycheck. Right? You don't need your ego to be inflated. And the few people that are in that position, even when they serve on boards and they contribute to their community, are often the people who ain't got no time for no foolishness. Jude Scott is one of those people. Now, I tell you, I know nothing about the man. And when I tell you that, in fact, I know so little about him that to me, all the brothers look alike. The Scott brothers, I think it's, is it three or four of them? There's Mr. Danny, there's Jude Scott, and there's Emil. I think that's it, right? It was three brothers. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't even know. They got some strong genes, though, because they all kind of look alike. <laughs> so sometimes when I see, I know, I know Mr. Danny. I see the other brothers. I'm like, which brother is that again? But I know that this man is a professional. <clears throat> he took this board position not because he needed something else to do. Because he wanted to help. He sat on the board before, I think it was 2000 and, oh God, I'd have to get the years again. He sat on the board for a couple years on the Seam Cayman Airways board. And he wants to try to help with his level of financial expertise and, and so on. When you get someone, and I'm not saying, I'm not, no shade to any of the board members, but when you get someone who is both qualified as a board member and principled, you all should pay attention to what those people have to say. They've ran businesses. They've been CEOs of Maples and Calder. They've been a CEO at Ernst & Young. They know a thing or two about running a successful entity. So we need to pay attention to those people. When you see them to start walking away a year after being in a role, and I'm going to tell you why they walked away in a second, 
you have got a problem. Huh? So why are you up and down traveling all over the globe? Jumping on stages, jumping on talk shows and having the most to say. You are missing the boat entirely when you allow a man like Mr. Jude Scott to slip through your fingers. This is a man who would be helping the people of the Cayman Islands immensely. And I am disappointed in you as a so-called politician because the things you are focusing on are the wrong things. And you are picking up bad behaviors and bad habits, some of it coming from other politicians, and I don't know why you're following them. You're a leader in your own right. Well, you think this person know more than you. Oh, because they have a degree. Okay, and you don't. All right. Or, you know, they were in the professional world a little bit longer than you, and they believe that they got all the answers under the sun. Don't allow people to lead you into the bowels of hell. I don't care how much bravado there is. I don't care how much convincing they do on a regular basis. You need to understand that you were elected for and by the people of the Cayman Islands. Get out of your own way. You're your own worst enemy right now. Flashpoint, is, is it possible that all of your communication devices are being monitored, therefore nobody's actually anonymous that gets in contact with you? Well, anything in this world is possible. <laughs> anything is possible. What I would say is um, there are tools that can be used without saying too much. Even when somebody thinks that they're monitoring you, there are tools and things that you can do. The truth uh, be told is I'm sitting here in front of you all and I will take the bullets for the information that I obtain and no one will ever know who it comes from. Okay. So my little notebook, we're going to start out here now. Uh, look at here. We got Johan. He says psychic plus wicked I'm laughing out loud. Looks like you losing that contract. I keep hearing about with Pat government. <laughs> Oh, God, can I tell you a joke about that? So, you know, um, the opposition, they're out there doing the most to poor them. So they're always <clears throat> on this whole, um, oh, the government's falling apart. There's a lot of rumors about a coup and a this and that. The vast majority of them, um, Bobo line not working. It should be 936-2626. And I get no phone calls today. Um, where's my other phone? Where? Oh, shoot. Do I have the phone in the studio? Oh, Denny. I think I'm charging the phone. Oh, snaps. Hold on. <laughs> Have you been calling me? Well, no wonder not hearing it. One second, one second. Let me see if I can get Miss Stacy to bring me the phone. Uh, no, it's not disabled that I know about. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. My apologies. I'm going to get it and then I'll call you back, Denny. So here's the thing, right? <clears throat> one of the rumors that has been advantageous to the progressive government, they want y'all to believe this, is that I'm on the PAC government payroll. And I've said this to y'all before. 
The platform that I run here in CMR, people can pay for different things. So you can pay for an ad, you can pay for, you know, you can even sponsor a show if you want. That's that's good on you. What you don't pay for is a lie. <laughs> what you don't pay for is my loyalty. They're, those things are not for sale. Come, one second, Miss Stacy. Hold on. Come. So you don't pay for come. You don't pay for any of those things. You, oh Lord, y'all been calling me. Jeez, I'm peace. Danny, if someone call you back, you're the only person who called. They look like. <laughs> um. So yeah, so you don't you don't pay for those things, <clears throat> right? But nonetheless, I'm not on no contract with the PAC government. The irony of it is. <laughs> Even the PAC government members themselves get so salty. One of them went and ran to a certain other politician and said, oh yeah, you know, um, Sandy only likes you um, because you're, you're paying her, so, something like that. And the person's like, but I'm not. So that'll make no sense. Oh, no, no, no. That's not how they said it. They said, um, oh yeah, Sandy's going to turn on you one day. You wait and see. It's only because um, she's all about money or she's getting paid or some foolish and they're like, but I'm not paying her. We're not paying her. So that really don't make no sense. So what are you talking about? If that was the truth, if that was a litmus test, then she would never have anything to say about us. I have sought to hold this government accountable, giving them a little bit of a grace period because everybody needs a little bit of a honeymoon period, child. But guess what? The honeymoon is over. And I have seen some things emerge um, already that are making me uncomfortable. So Marshall says that's it. To be a so-called politician is the easiest job. Some don't even show up and still get a big fat paycheck. And to be fair to politicians, although a lot of them are getting a, a decent paycheck, for, especially for what they do, which is little to nothing, a lot of them still stressed out because they're having to give it away to the people because the people are begging them 24-7. That's why people like Bernie Bush, you're not going to his house. He got his pit bulls on the loose, honey child, from what I can understand. <laughs> you're not stepping into his yard. He's like, I'm not giving y'all no money. Go to NAU. Mm -hmm. Ay, There's so much we could talk about about politicians, some of the speeches that they give. Oh, they come across as so unintelligent. And, uh -huh. Anyway, we can focus on Cayman Airways this morning. When you allow a Jude Scott to slip through your little fingers, you got a problem. Now, what I like about Jude Scott, uh, thank you, Natasha. Natasha says our politicians are suffering from the typical black man with fragile egos and letting pride destroy everything they said they wouldn't repeat of their predecessors. Yeah. Hmm. Cameron says even the CMO threatened to resign after Anna took 10 years off, poor old Dr. Lee. And you know, you know what's what's crazy about that situation, Cameron, is when we reported on it, there's a narrative that no, that wasn't true, and that's not how it went, and blah, blah, blah. And she was being disrespectful to them. I, listen, I had people in this country from the top positions, from the highest all the way down, said, Sandy, I don't know where you'll get your information from. But boy, that was spot on. What was going on with Dr. Lee? And I said, the beauty of it, 
I get my information from different sources. So I'm cross-referencing and cross-checking all over the place. And not one person bringing me a story that is tainted with their own narrative. So what I told you went down with Dr. Lee, went down with Dr. Lee. I mean, um, what was her name? Dr. Oh, shoot. Uh, the new CMO. Forgive me, I can't even remember her name. That wasn't nothing that was made up. These guys were getting too inflated in their ego in that moment. And yes, I get it that sometimes you're in cabinet, you're in caucus, you get a motive, whatever. But there's a certain level of professionalism that is due. You're not in the streets of Scranton talking to your buddies that just as uneducated as you. When you're dealing with educated people, even if you get worked up a little bit, you think Fauci hasn't had a few moments with Trump where he's probably like, wanting to tell him that you're an effing fool. But I'm sure he mean Trump probably didn't maintain any decorum, but who wants to be like Trump? So, you know, Mr. Jude Scott, speaking of people who can maintain their decorum, this man sat down and penned a four-page letter to the ministry, to the minister, addressed to the minister, um, Kenneth Bryan, and then he turned around and copied Fabian Worms, the CEO of Kimmy Airways, the board, and the chief officer, who is, I think, Mr. Strandbaden. So all these people got it. Ay, ay, ay. I heard the second the letter was received, all of a sudden, he was being called into a meeting. And you don't disrespect people for over a year after they were, after they were appointed to position then get their resignation letter and then try to make them a priority. No, no, bubble. That's not how that gonna work. All right, I see Denny been trying to call this morning. So Denny, let's give you a call, Bobo. Let's see what, got, what you want. Uh, this would like access to your microphone. Yeah, I had to reset this phone, you see. Um, oh, hold on. I need to make sure Bluetooth is connected. One second, Denny. Let's connect that. All right, we are ready to go. Hold on, let's make sure the, hey, Denny Warren Jr. What's up? Morning, morning. I'm holding that ruby in my hand. Oh, honey, chill. Tell me what truth telling you got this morning. Now, politics don't change people. It reveals who they are. The truth of the matter is, is voters don't want honesty. They want exactly what they have because mm -hmm. that's what they desire. Hmm. So if you go into politics and you tell the truth, mm -hmm. you won't get elected because mm -hmm. that's not what people want. Mm -hmm. People want an advantage and they think the advantage is knowing you as the politician and somehow that'll give them um, some sort of um, advantage over others who don't know the politician. Mm -hmm. okay. So people who talk about openness, honesty, transparency, accountability, mm -hmm. nah, total nonsense. Listen they don't me. want anything like that. Listen to what Ms. Darlene says. She says, she says her politicians are like her beauty contestants. The pool is so limited to good statesmen and women. <laughs> Um, 
the whole thing is the whole thing is rigged it's all about manipulation and this part some people won't want to hear but the british are the best at it you don't get any better than them at this they invented the language they are the best okay manipulation is the name of the game deception corruption you name it Sadly, that's that's the case. So the reason why can, things will continue to be difficult for people is because they choose the wrong people. They choose the wrong people because of what they desire. And like you said, you don't tell people everything you would like to tell them. And voters don't list all of their desires either. As if they did, what the criteria for becoming a politician wouldn't be openness, honesty, transparency, accountability, wouldn't be any of those things. Mm-hmm. That's why we're in the mess we're in. And it'll be difficult to get out of that because as you rightly say, it's difficult to change the way people think. Mm-hmm. I feel that Cayman is going down a terrible road. And one of those um, roads that we're going down is lawlessness. You can't have a peaceful, prosperous society that is lawless. Now, when I say that, I, I, I don't mean that we should be as draconian as possible. No, no, but we need to be lawful. If you don't like the way a law is written, change it. But don't sit there as a minister or as a judge and ignore what the law says. Because that's not going to lead us down the right path. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put down this ruby for now. All right, my dear. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Folks, if you're just joining the program, over 411 people on the live stream this morning. We are talking about um a degree of honesty. Apparently, there might be something going on with the phone. One of my flow connections just message me. Um, hopefully they can get that sorted out with the regular line. Um, Mr. Dean Shillette says most politicians are useless as a one leg man in a butt kicking contest. <laughs> Uh, Denny, um, Dean says, thank you for your comments, Denny. Um, Michael LeMay says, thank you. Uh, and Ms. Darlene says, amen. Cameron says, they love them words, though, Denny. It makes people feel comfortable. Mm-mm-mm. So some truth telling this morning, folks. Uh, good morning to Debbie. She says, Georgetown is burning. What's going on in Georgetown? Howard, Good morning. Uh, Romelia says we need some God-fearing men and women to run our islands. Peter, good morning. Says I don't always agree with Denny, but he's right this time. Yeah, we don't always have to agree with each other, but listen, you got to listen. Good morning to Emma. Thank you. So let's talk about Jude Scott and Kim Airways. So the man took the time to write a four or five page letter. I thought, wow, you know me, honey child, that would have been me. I would have been like, I resign full stop. 
here's my letter. The beauty of him doing it in the way in which he did is that, yes, Kev says I'm here for the Cayman Airways, so we're getting there, is that we get to know exactly what the issue is. This is why you put measured people like Jude Scott in such positions because he's not operating on a whim, on a feeling, right? The man has taken the time to talk about why I am resigning and what the issues are. And this is unfortunately a very damning response or response isn't really the right word, but a damning report reflection on the Ministry of Tourism. Here's what Mr. Jude Scott had to say. Let me just check my WhatsApp messages. Um, we have, uh, oh yes, this person says, thank you for articulating the connection and relationship with Jamaica. There's a lot of love, but you're right. We have different standards in the Cayman House. Actually, for some politicians across political parties and across the years, it is about the profile, the travel, the platform, the social media. For some people, it's also about image and not impact. The question to ask is, who is this person without the platform of being an elected MP? Mm, mm, mm. So Mr. Jude Scott initially served between 2009 and 2012. Then he resigned because he was taking up a role in Maples and Maples provided legal services to Cayman Airways. Okay, gotcha. All right. We got that straight. Someone else says, good morning, Sandy. Sometimes you give people enough rope to hang themselves. <laughs> uh, this person says, Saunders, the same one who swear that he'd never work with Mac under no circumstances, but here we are. <coughs> well, all of them said that, my dear, but they had no choice in the end. It became a question of the lesser of the two evils. All right. Mm-mm-mm. Let me see if I can read my chicken scratch hand right in here. I got my ruby in my hand. I can tell the truth. Um, geez, I'm peace. I have a horrible handwriting, truth be known. I should have been a doctor, as bad as this is. All right. The first issue was um, inability. Uh, I don't know what that word in. Oh, geez, I'm peace. Lord have mercy. This is why I typed the rest of it. Something. Um, so, oh, increasingly difficult, see, what a, what a bunch of chicken scratch that was, increasingly difficult to get access to the minister. That was the first complaint. So in other words, requesting meetings, requesting time to go over stuff as it relates to Cayman Airways, which, um, you know, trying to get tourism back, Cayman Airways should be at the top of the food chain in terms of priorities. Jude Scott said, I couldn't even get a meeting with you. Becoming increasingly difficult to get a meeting. You're so busy with all of these other priorities. You know, there's a reason why you only get so much under your portfolio of responsibilities. And if it is too much or you're not able to focus, then you need to say, to the premier, sir, 
I can't handle tourism and transport. Just give me tourism. That's enough. Because under each one of those headings, you have tons of different boards and responsibilities, departments, agencies. So maybe it was too much. I don't know. All I know is Jude Scott said, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to get access to you. And this is creating a problem. Because in the mind of Jude Scott, no doubt, the lack of access to the person who needs to understand what you're trying to do and give you the resources to be able to do it means that you're going to fail if you can't even get an audience with that person. That's important. The next major concern, and this was just the introductory paragraphs, by the way. <laughs> he then went on to lay out point one, two, three, four of very, very specific things that he wanted to address. Woo, honey, chill. Um, Miss Stacy, I might need another cup of tea this morning, honey, chill. Got this one soon finish. Instructing, uh, oh, oh, by the way, before I had to utilize my detective skills to get the letter, I did email the ministry and requested a copy of the letter. Well, y'all know I ain't got a response to that all now. I got ignored as usual. FOI is a farce, by the way. They tell you all oh, go through FOI because they know it takes 30 days for them to even say, oh, yes, we're going to give it to you or not a month later. And then by then, it's not even topical anymore. Who gives a shit? And if it is, then they'll come up with excuses why they can't give it to you. They'll try to redact everything where it makes no sense. So I always, I, I emails them. Um, can I please get a copy of this letter? They ignore me and don't respond. That's okay, honey child. I don't need you. I got my detective fingers on it. <clears throat> so here we go. Uh, instructing other board members without my knowledge. Jude Scott, folks, is or was the chairman of the board. Hmm? You do not go behind his back and speak to other board members about any Cayman Airways policy directives, what you're going to do about anything in the, in the business of the airline business that impacts them. You go through the board chairman who then will have meetings with the rest of the board members. So you're not even, this is a complete lack of respect of, you know, listen, I don't have no reason not to believe Jude Scott. Like I said, he's an upstanding man. Instructing other board members without his knowledge, that is so disrespectful. And I feel like it also runs afoul of some kind of law in terms of how boards are supposed to operate. You do not do this. He goes on to say, announcing policy decisions such as dual destination tourism, which we're going to get here in a second because I don't even know what the hell that is. But we'll talk about it. Without engaging Jude Scott or the full board for them to consider it, advise on possible implications. So you're making policy decisions that will directly impact Cayman Airways you don't tell them about it. No courtesy. You're just going to go on a talk show. I don't even know where this was announced. Was it on a talk show? Was it just a press? Like, I don't even know. So you just go out there and announce it. 
And the Cayman Iris folks are going, uh, this is going to impact us and we know nothing about it. Huh? Yep. That's how it went down. Okay. We're going to talk about in more detail exactly what Jude Scott says about this dual destination tourism thing here in a second. He uses words like, it's critical. Mm, mm, mm. Critical things that we needed to talk about that's not happening. Oh, God, here goes this bad handwriting again. Um, critical areas where advice and requests for advice and meetings do not appear to have been given proper consideration or actioned in a timely manner. That's my second cup of tea. Miss Stacy, that's you? Yeah, bring the tea, honey, child. We need more than one cup here today. Thank you, my darling. Yes, sir. The tea hot. I'm double fisting with my tea this morning. Whew. Look, yeah. Let me, let me show y'all that really I'm holding my ruby. I can't even hold a ruby here today because I got so much tea. It's like, cha-ching. Oh, this one's nice and hot. Y'all see the steam? Can you see the steam coming out? Of that? Yeah, I look the steam. All right. I'm going to finish my other one first. Okay, so um, requests do not appear to have been properly considered or actioned in a timely matter, manner by the government resulting in not giving Cayman Airways attention, support, and funding. Now, the funding thing surprised me. Child, while I was reading this letter, I was like, there's so many times that I had to pause. And I was taking my notes because I want to make sure it sunk in properly. But in addition to that, I was so shocked. I was like, what? Huh? Hmm. That's what I was saying, honey. I was like, hmm. What the? Oh, oh. Read it again. You know, me and my four eyes, I was like, did I just read that right? Let me read it again. Let it soak in. Few meetings. The man requesting meetings and not getting any. For things that require urgent attention and no proper support has been forthcoming. Lord Jesus. And we wonder why some of these agencies and, and um, authorities and stuff are failing. Number one, like I tell you, that was just an introduction, Shell. And already I was like, jaw dropping. The first major issue of concern is Cayman Airways Public Authorities Act report. Now, I've gone back, FOI, and requested the report. Let's see what they're going to do now. You know what they're going to do. Oh, 30 days from now. Oh, we can't give it to you because it is that exam. So um, if you have access to this report, just send it to me. Because they can come up with some excuse. And, you know, the last report I requested from the port, it took me about, what, three, four months to even get that? It's like, come on, y'all are ridiculous. All right. So there's a report to the ministry uh, that was presented to them on March the 11th, 2022. March 
April, May, June, July, August, over five months ago. And it had to do with compensating employees with the Public Authorities Act, including matching the most recently um, amended, the most recently uh, something. Oh, God, this handwriting is horrible. Can somebody tell me the truth about my own handwriting? Jeez, some piece. The most recently announced, yes, <laughs> civil service compensation increases. Mm -hmm. um, what is that word? Parting, disappointing, something disappointing. Um, oh, is it particularly? Oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, mm, mm, mm. That, that, that's... God, my handwriting is horrid. I can't tell. Anyway, I got to try and figure out. I put that one in quotes because when I write my story, I know I wanted to quote that. Now I can't even tell you what the first part of the quote is. I'll, I'll get it again. But anyway, he said it was so like basically disappointing. Not providing funding required to enable Cayman Airways to compensate its staff as other government employees are required by law. He believes, Jude Scott, says by doing this, they are in breach of both their responsibility and legal obligation. So let's break down this first bit. What, what does all of this mean? So the Public Authorities Act, let me tell you what has happened. And this is an exercise and y'all in the civil service can correct me if I'm wrong here. But authorities have a different pay scale and different system than central and core government. And there has been some, um, some, what's the word, um, disparity between the two, right? So there are people who will say at certain positions in the public authorities are out of balance with what civil servants are paid. So they're being paid way too much money for their directors and other people. We've discussed this before, ironically enough, in relation to the port. So with the last port director, they sought to correct, and that person got a decrease in, in pay. So Mr. Pearl Hurlston is back. When he was there the first time uh, and left or got fired, truth, ruby in her hand, um, uh, what's the young man who took over from him again? Um, oh, God, I can't remember his name now. I'm picturing him, I can't remember his name. But anyway, uh, what the heck is his name? But when he took over, he got a pay cut of thousands of dollars because they were trying to fix this disparity in pay between certain authorities. Some authority, um, heads of authorities are making more than the, the premier, making more than the people who are running the entire country. And this is the truth. So in recent years, they've, they've undertaken this entire exercise of trying to compare all the jobs and authorities and line them up with what is existing in core government. Just two days ago, we see the HSA recently adjusted their R scale. So they went through the same exercise. And um, now they have raised the ceiling. So to the people at the lowest end of the pay scale which were the housekeepers, 
the porters and non-emergency drivers on the government scale, they were on the trainee scale based on what they were making. And they're not trainees. So what they've now done is they've made some adjustments and kind of brought that up, where at least they're they're on the highest point, I think, of our scale or whatever, 0.12 or whatever the heck they're calling it, right? But what Jude Scott is saying in his letter is, listen, you have not responded to this report in over five months. This is in order for us to be able to get the funding to compensate the employees in accordance with the Public Authorities Act. So if y'all work for Cayman Airways and maybe you haven't gotten any pay raises or whatever, this is why. The ministry has not been meeting with the board. The, The board can't just pull money out of thin air. They need it in the budget. And if they can't get it in the budget, then, you know, they can't be paying people. They need some feedback on the report. They probably need somebody to sign off on this. I mean, I don't know what's required to formalize it, but the point is if I can't even get a meeting with you and we submit reports and it's being ignored. Yes, Clement Reed. Thank you, Ms. Darlene. Now, when you start to run afoul of your legal responsibility, your legal obligation, this is problematic. This is where you're going to force the premier because he's the one who's going to have the brunt of all of this. Right? And um, they're going to have to come down with a bit of a gauntlet on you because Let's be honest, if you're not following the law when it comes to pay and your civil servants, whatever, this is how you get sued. Miss uh, Ann said that wicked chuckle is, oh my goodness. All right, point number two. So that, that people money. Yeah. Now I saw a comment earlier. Who was that? That was um, Jonathan. He says, I hate when people say it's not always about the money when at the end of the day, it's always about the money. Let's be very clear here, folks. We all need money to survive. Everybody got bills to pay. You go tell CUC that you're waiting on a pay raise from government to pay your bill and you're going to see what's going to happen. Click, the light's going out. It's unfortunate because sometimes we complain about civil servants not working. Sometimes they're not motivated because they're not even getting the salary. Some of the, and I don't know if these guys fall under Cayman Airways or if they fall under CIAA. So I'm going to find that out, but I'll tell you a story here in a second. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandy. You got your Minister movie? Brian here. You got, oh, Minister Brian. Good morning, sir. I was just about to ask <laughs> you if you got your ruby in your hand, honey child. Uh. I don't have any rubies with me. I'm not sure about the rubies thing. I think I think if my if my ears are perking well, you're saying a truth ruby yes, of some sort. Yes, we're watching the show well, called I, the Sandman. I, I can't afford um, rubies, so I apologize. <laughs> all my money goes to my people. Uh, don't worry, it's, it's all metaphorical. So none of us can afford a ruby right now. So, <laughs> Minister, as you're aware, um, I am reading the letter that was 
presented to yourself? I'm listening ever so keenly. Okay. But I thought it'd be be a good opportunity for me to call in. I, yes. I was was hoping that you didn't have to um, expose um, uh, Mr. Jew's letter, but it is what it is. You have it, and um, mm -hmm. I guess good to your investigative skills, as you call it. Um, so let's 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 address um, the concern that you highlighted, yeah. uh, particularly the one can, about can the finances. Can I ask you a question first? Does it make sense for me to uh, continue? Because our listeners are very keen to hear the entire contents of the letter, and for organizational well, purposes, would it make sense for me to continue? Because there's quite a bit in the letter. I mean, I've only gotten through point one, and then well, you. I've definitely it read it. So, well, it, it like you said, it has four main points and. Yeah. Um, if you want to go into the finer details and add your um, your narrative to it, which which you always do, that's up to you. Um, but I think it's just we can summarize the the four points and I can respond to them individually no, but I because wanna, I don't I, I go don't go into them in detail. So I don't I don't want to summarize that, but, them. But I'm just wondering if it's okay. better for you to come on at the end as a because I know you want to address point one right now. But should should I'm thinking I go through all four points and then you come on address all four points. I think that might make more sense if you know what I'm saying. Just from an oh, organizational. I am honestly speaking, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to stay on that. Okay, long all right. All because right, we'll you've been um, so so. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, it depends on how, how long that's going to take. I think I think there's a summary there enough for you to 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 go through that you can give us the picture and then if you want to have, add add to it afterward, that's fine. Okay. So so um. I think the first two points you were talking about was availability and then pay for the Cape Airway staff. Mm -hmm. um, now, now the reason why I chose to call in is because <laughs> it's so important to me for the staff at Cape Airway to know that they're supported in every capacity, okay. uh, and the no and the notion that that of breaking the law uh, um, is. A very subjective one from the perspective of there's uh, financial obligations in respect to that, which we know where we're at financially. Um, but but the law does talk about getting all authorities, all government-owned companies, on par with um, the civil service, and that's a process that all all of them are going through. So every minister and every um, government department is trying to do that. Not government department, government-owned company are trying yeah. to do authorities, right? So. So and and it has a lot of financial um, um, uh, commitments to it. I mean, I, we're talking about potentially in the hundreds of millions of dollars, right. one that the that the government has to to strategically figure out how to get that rectified over a period of time because it, it deals with benefits, it deals with salaries, your pensions, your health insurance, um, and and it, it actually may have some negative effects on some people as well where if their um, pay is adjust, they may be actually making less in respect to what the civil service um, um, standard and code of pay is. And, and you know, this has been a discrepancy for, for, for decades now. Um, so, so, right, I mean, the, the, the chairman or the former chairman um, highlighted that, I think this was about a month and a half ago, we sat and talked about it. Um, Obviously, I have to sit. I sat down with my team talking about it. We talked about it in cabinet and caucus, but because of the financial obligations, we have to budget for that in the new year. Uh -huh. And and uh, unfortunately, what is being painted is a picture that we're not considering it. 
I can't give money that is that is not there. So we're going to fight really hard to get it rectified. Matter of fact, some of the areas of concern is actually in the process of being rectified right now. So it's important to me. I know you're going to add whatever you want to add of the letter um, to the public. That's fine by me. But I want the Kimani staff to know that we're trying to resolve that matter. But it's a financial one and a very high, high amount. And um, also le legal um a responsibility from a perspective of benefits. So um, I'm trying to find the, the, the terminology for this, but uh, the liabilities to government increases tremendously due to the benefits. So for instance, coming from private insurance to government insurance, um, as well as private pension to government pension, there's a lot of liability concerns and, 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 and things that has to be considered from the long-term perspective. If you think about how many hundreds and hundreds, actually, in the thousands of, of Caymanians who work for government-owned companies and authorities. And to get that in align an alignment is a serious financial liability and um, not liability, meaning liability as in cost for the future for benefits and insurance and pension and so forth, uh, as well as the immediate cost right away to change your salaries. Mm -hmm. So, but, but, but the government is aware and trying to slowly rectify it. So, okay. um, uh, fine. His, his, his job as chairman, his job as chairman is to highlight that. Um, he did so, and and like I explained to him when he brought it to my attention of what the public authorities law says, to bring it to my colleagues about this liability and the cost that will be, um, to put it in place. Um, and the government's intention is to find the money when the new budget comes. So that's where we are. So, uh, yeah. if he, I, I'm not sure why his letter would um, portray it as if to say we're not. I'm uh, wanting to deal with it. As a matter of fact, I, I told him that, that that's what we'll be doing is bringing it to my government. I mean, I'm not the only one. We had to vote these monies in and we do it so as a cabinet. But I think I think I would want to just give that comfort to the Caymanian staff because they sh they're, they're deserving of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So um, in respect to the, in respect to question, the other. Um, since you've called in, we do have a question from someone. They said, can you ask the minister? about Kel Thompson and the pilots. And so, you know, we haven't even gotten to that this morning, but there's a whole situation where Kel Thompson has been promoted to captain to basically- Well, well, well I, Sandra, I'll try to answer as quickly as I possibly can. First mm -hmm. off, Mr. Kel Thompson is an amazing Caymanian pilot who's been doing it for years. And I'm not fully aware of the whole situation with Mr. Kel Thompson, but I think what the whispers are is that He's been a, a pilot for a very long time, and they should have been given some younger pilots the opportunity to move up the ranks. From a principal perspective, I, I, I sorry. Yeah, because he just from wasn't, a principal, he wasn't next in line was the problem. <laughs> He's okay. Retire. From a principal, from a principal perspective, I understand that logic, and I believe in succession planning and getting people ready to go up the ranks. But the, the little I do know uh -huh. um, is that. Uh, there's a certain amount of requirement for a certain amount of pilot time and, and um, as, as a senior or, or first pilot in order to do these things. I'm not aware whether or not uh, there's other people in line who have that exact same um, quality or, or experience to have been able to take his job. I don't know. But you see the double standard here is that uh, one day you'll say ministers not supposed to be getting involved in boards or our committees and getting involved in a decision and then the next thing is if you're not happy with the decision the boards are making then you say it's the minister's fault so most days i don't know what you want sandra to be honest with you because if I this is a board, <laughs> uh, well well i'm just trying to understand because 
if you if you like you legally said and you brought up this whole legality about where what I can do and what I can't do as minister with the board members. Mm-hmm. If the board if the board is there to deal with that with the same chairman that just resigned in respect to these matters. So I am not there. I, I'm not even supposed to be involved in the day-to-day running. So I can't really answer that. Let me, let you me understand? Ask you, so let me ask you a question then, right? Because uh-huh. um, this is and I always remind people of the legal position and the legal obligations of all parties to be very fair to you and any other minister. But the underlying crux of this letter, and like I said, we're going to get into some more of the details, is that he uh-huh. was simply asking for an audience with you on multiple well, but that, but, but, and you well, weren't well, giving no, him the time no, no. I, I, I totally do, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Okay. Because we met just not too long ago about the same thing about the pay for the for, for the civil servants for the Caymanway staff, so and, and, and it's so dis- you, um... Let me stand up if I can't I can't say anything if you're just gonna keep on interrupting me to give the message out. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is unfair for, for for that perception to be done. Mm-hmm. Now, in respect to instructing other members, what is not cl- not is not out there in the public domain is that this, the chairman was off island, rightfully so, on vacation at the time of travels. So I think much of this fluff or, or unfortunate situation came up as a result of me taking another board member away to Jamaica to talk about multi-destinational travel. Now, the next in line would have been the deputy chairman. He was also off island. So I asked a well-experienced board member who was a former captain, Mr. Um, Chris Bergstrom, to come along on a trip. And I spoke to the chairman, and that's how I knew he was off island. And I've asked him to come to other meetings. He wasn't here. So that's fine. I'm not saying that he, he had to be there. But this notion that the government has to talk to the board before we make a policy decision, I think there's a mix-up in direction. The government makes the policy first, and then we give the directive afterwards. To, to say that we should be coming to them to ask permission for our policy direction is, is inappropriate, to be honest with you. Right. So the other factor is there is no policy created as such. The, the purpose of the Jamaica trip was to talk about the upcoming CTO um, discussions, which is multi-destinational travel. Now, because of because it being a discussion about multi-destinational travel and we have our own airline, it'd be appropriate that I carry somebody who knows more about the runnings of our own national airline in the event some questions come up that I'm unaware of. So that was simply the purpose. And I think that Sadly, some people are upset that that somebody else went. I mean, I, I can't do anything but the fact that he wasn't here. Anyway, I think mm-hmm. I think I think this mm-hmm. it's quite sad that we're at this point because if if it was if it wasn't him, if he's not here, what do I do? Not bring somebody with me on a trip that talks about things that potentially could if I came to the policy possession position with my government about um, offering Cayman Airways as an option to for more routes, so he can make money. What am I supposed to not bring anybody because he wasn't here? I don't. I don't understand what that is about. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, I'm not really wanting to make it petty. Yeah, but well, the but yes. if if the, if the letter in itself by itself is left out there to the public, it's going to seem quite silly. Um, and I'm what I'm going to do is actually get a um, a list of times where I've talked to him, I've went to the board and yeah, heard concerns. Yeah, because that was what I was going to ask you, is, is how many meetings yeah. have you had with him in the past year? Um, in this past year, I think three. Um, and I think I've gone to the board, which it has to be on a special agenda 
um, twice I've met with the board. I've right. met with them recently as a result also because of his res resignation, mm -hmm. but um, not in a formal board meeting because I'm not allowed to be in there unless it's okay. under special circumstances just to hear whatever the minister says. But, okay. but, 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 but Sandra, Thank in you all right fairness, now. right? Yes, in all fairness, <laughs> I, I, I recall so hard where you beat me up about the fact, or not beat me up, but, but investigating about the process, about how far a minister is supposed to be involved in the running of a board or a committee. So, well, okay, that, that stay out of the stay, No, so, no, no, but minister, that wasn't actually you, you know, yeah. that was Bernie Bush. I mean, mm. you, you, or, you or, or whichever you minister. Into, yeah, I mean, you know. Okay, so yeah, maybe, that, maybe it wasn't that, me, that right? Wasn't, that wasn't you. What I said in relation okay. to the Port Authority board is that um, the in that case, the board chairperson tells you a certain narrative and you blindly believe it, you know, without maybe doing some okay. of those investigations yourself. That's what I was saying. But well, 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 I mean, it's, really, it's, it's yeah. like it, it's, it's like the, cake and eat it too kind of scenario like i'm trying to respect the 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 um constitutional structure and le um, legal component of once you give them that power they're the ones to carry out the the duties right now granted um the the chairman or the former chairman that came in is um needs to talk to the minister and the ministry about some things also remember my chief officer is at every single board meeting well, maybe you need to be talking no, to your chief officer a bit more. Because I talk to my chief officer all the time. Well, then, all the time. And, and we are aware. You see, the fact is that because they're not getting the action that they want, that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that you give the right to, to, to say that the Cayman the, the is not running well. Now, we as a government have financial obligations. I wish, I really wish that I can give every Cayman, Caymanian a raise today. Cause I would save, save a lot of problems that we're having. But due diligence, if I were to just say, spend, 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 the other argument would be, this government is out of control with their spending. We have a budget for this year, and we are mindful of these legal obligations as to the Public Authorities Act, and we're trying to resolve them. And I'm not the only minister with this concern and this problem. I mean, the only reason why you're talking about it today is because the former uh, chairman highlighted it, and rightfully so, he went to bat for the employees. Right. And we talked about that saying, you know, the employees duly really need a raise. What I'm working on right now is that 2% and the 150 that the civil servants got. That should be coming in short order because it's uh, coming to my colleagues for a decision and find the money within savings within my ministry. But the long term, the long term elements is very costly from insurance, from pension and salaries. And we're talking about over 100 million dollars and more cost to government. It, when we get to all the government companies, all the authorities to get it adjusted. So it's not something lightly. And I don't, I really didn't want to have to do this discussion publicly. Yeah. But well, it, it, if it's presenting me in a light where we're not considering this, that's I'm doing my job in respect to those considerations. So so those are the okay. two points me, in respect to that. But let's I talk about the, 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 the uh, third Mr. and fourth one. And um, one quick question from uh, one of our viewers. They're saying, since we've got you on the line, uh, last week, Friday, you were at a press <laughs> conference and you promised to make a statement this week about Miss Cayman and we've not seen... Re not ready for Miss Cayman yet. Not ready. Well, I you promise you, I, Sandra. Be this week. Yeah, well, not everything goes exactly the time that you want it to be. Like, I'm waiting on some reports. Not with the you know, I'm not making be. this you decision. You're the one who said you would have okay, to Okay, or the public. Or the public. 
are the public and let, everything don't go exactly at the time and like so we, we got some details time, don't, listen you don't want to tell when they let you you know, have a statement this weekend it wasn't me well i said i said i <laughs> hope to have something by next week okay. and the details that we wanted to, to to make some direction i didn't get it until last night so there's still discussions me and my government have to make right. but we're not running away from the matter i do mm. agree that those concerns have to be addressed and thought about and what the decision is and why right that the public is deserving of that so they will get that okay. let's just be a little bit a little bit patient for me please sandra on that no, one I, I got all right so listen listen bobo i have uh -huh. the patience of job it, it's, <laughs> it, it, not, it, it not really being a, all right my dear all right no I problem, no, problem. So comments, let's, no let's talk about the other the other two um no, before no, we go no no no, because, no 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 i gotta go i gotta go because i need to go through this in detail there's quite a bit here and i only have half an hour left so what I'm going to invite yeah. you to do, Minister, next week, any day you want, you are most welcome to come on the program and you will have time to, you know, consider your thoughts over the weekend and we can talk about the other well, things. Well, 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 I, I do have, I just pulled out my laptop because, um, like I said, my chicken scratch hand right you, was getting a bit You chicken. said, you said, you, you said you got the letter. And you so, got the four points. We dealt with two of them. Let's deal no, with the other two. No, 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 no. Because I need to go through oh, okay. and explain stuff to my listeners in detail. All right, all right. I tried yeah. my best because I know you're no, gonna paint your own narrative, but but that's fine. Not, I'll I'll I'll. Well, yeah, but that's what happens. Without 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 clarity to the truth, you paint your own narrative, and, and then you say, "Oh my God, the the premier may have to step involved, get involved now because oh, there's Lord. a legality to this, and he's not following the law." And this that's what you said, Sandra. That's what you said. You said, "Oh, well, the, the premier may have to look into this because the legality of it." Is it not? That's what a, you said in respect to the issue, pay. as the man has said. Is it not a legal obligation? So it's a legal obligation for all government-owned companies yes. and all authorities, right. which everybody is fully aware of, and it will be addressed in the opportunity. Listen, you can say all the legality that you want. The simple fact is if there's no money, then we don't have it, right? And we're trying to resolve how best way to do it. Right. I, I think let a me, lot of us me, are forgetting me, me, that we came out of a pandemic and that the money isn't yeah, there yet, right? Well, I mean, somebody okay. mentioned the government claimed they have a surplus, but anyway. Leave it, leave it okay. there because I really do want to go through the rest of Mr. Drew's letter without kind of breaking up the conversation. But as always, I appreciate you um, calling onto the program. All right. Thank you. Thank so you so much. much and God bless um, right, the listeners. And I need to say, okay, I need to save this number in this phone, kind of wipe this phone. So I'll save it as you. So when you call next time, I know you're calling me. Yeah, man. No worries. No okay, worries. God bless. So okay. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Um, whew, your comments coming in hot and heavy. I see them. I see them. Um, Cameron says, make an appointment. Yes. Don't be hijacking the cold hard truth. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Y'all are so facey on a Friday. Please cut him off. No minister. Let Sandy finish dumping the who to frighten. Somebody else says he's still on. Sabrina says he sounds desperate. Jim says not his time. These people in power need to listen. Oh my God. Y'all are not easy today. Well, this is what happens when you listen to the cold hard truth. You find your own truth in life and you start to say, hold on a second. It's not your time this morning, Bobo. It's the cold hard truth. He, listen, the minister can come on next week. We'll book him an entire show where he can address all this. But yes, we need to finish. So number two, um, oh, we can't hang up on the minister, Kev. We got to be, we got to be, we got to mind our manners now. Um, 
Anthony says, wasn't the government boasting about a massive surplus? Listen, I'm no financial guru, but when I heard the word surplus, uh, that means that you have some money. And so, you know, I don't understand what's going on here. You can't meet your legal obligation because you don't have the money. That's no excuse. If somebody take you behind the court and they say, as a company, you're not paying me in accordance with the law. It don't make no difference that you claim you're not going to money. You better find that money. Y'all heard what Rihanna said last week, Friday on the show. You better find my money. Mm, mm, mm. Moving on to point number two. So everybody got number one crystal clear? And yes, the, the minister was throwing a little bit of shade. I saw your comments like, oh, he's throwing shade on you when he says you add your narrative. Yes, that is called shade. And for those of you who listen to the program, maybe some of our British friends who have no idea what shade is. It's an Ameri- a bit of an American colloquial term. And it means somebody throwing shade at you. They're trying to be shady. But people just say they're throwing shade. So yes, he made the, the comment um, <laughs> that I add my own narrative to it. That is throwing shade. But guess what? Throw all the shade you want. It don't make no difference. We got our pr- proverbial ruby this morning and we will continue with the truth telling. It's not shade to say if you're not meeting your legal obligations, which is what Mr. Jude Scott's letter said. I'm only telling you what the letter said. It's not shade to say if you're not doing that, that's a legal problem. It's not shade to say that if any authority is falling afoul of the laws of this country, not only does it fall to the minister's responsibility, but the premier who's responsible for his minister's is also going to be held accountable and has to answer for that. The underlying point so far, Mr. Jude Scott has said, listen, you're not making any time for me. And yes, get your receipts, honey child. Go and see how many times the minister, um, how many times you've met with Jude Scott and let us know. Because the man saying whatever it is, it's not enough. So this other person says the engagement with the board chairman is a principle of good governance. They said tea, question mark. Thank God you don't drink coffee. We need to care about standards, trust, measurement, less subjectivity and more objectivity. And I don't, okay. I am going to read Jude's letter. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Thank God. She said, this person said, thank God you don't drink any coffee. One mess. All right. Number two. Dual destination tourism policy, the board was not consulted or provided advice on, not a priority. Um, Again, um, and Jude's letter has said, this dual destination tourism policy is not a priority Mm -hmm. because it actually reduces Cayman Airways overall visitor nights. Now, this is interesting because I was even sure that I understand what understood what this dual destination tourism policy even is. So I'm going to try to explain it to y'all the best I can because I haven't really seen any sort of a official statement on this. Um, so I don't really know. Let me just message Chuck to see if we can go into overtime just by about 10 minutes this morning because I got an appointment, honey child, to see the doctor today, my little pain management specialist. Um... So if I can get a little bit of overtime on the radio, can I get some overtime this morning? Not much, because I got things to do. 
Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> so this dual destination, th this again is a result of going to Jamaica and um, I guess talking with Jamaican authorities or whoever, I don't know who came up with this brilliant idea, that we wanted to get in bed with Jamaica as it relates to tourism. So the idea is um, we essentially help people to get to Jamaica. And by helping them to get to Jamaica, we're like, okay, come to the Cayman Islands. You might spend one or two nights here. And then your eventual destination and your real vacation is actually um, going to be in Jamaica. I'm a little bit confused, though, because let me read you what the letter says, and then I think we can break it down. So Mr. Scott says that this should not be a priority. Shortening visitors' uh, stay to the Cayman Islands or redirecting prospective Cayman visitors to another country. Um, the focus should be Cayman should be a destination, not a stopover hub for visitation to other countries. Thank you, El Ray, for the formal definition of throwing shade it says publicly criticize or express contempt for someone yeah we can take the shade honey chill because we got one big spotlight um so he goes on to say that this dual destination strategy um, must involve an enhancement of visitation measures in visitor nights so in other words the way that you would like the if we adopted this policy, right, the way in which you even talk about your tourism numbers then has to be adjusted because you'd be inflating your numbers to say, oh, this person came here. Um, we have 1.5 million visitors for this quarter or whatever, when in fact, maybe 10% or 15% of those were actually these so-called dual destination people who are just using you as a hop, stop and, and jump over to another destination. So obviously Mr. Jude's position is this hasn't been thought through. And again, I'm interpreting his letter. I'm not trying to um, interject any criticism that will come here in a second. At this point, what I'm understanding him to say is that this hasn't really been thought through properly because you would have to change the very um, mechanism in which you even now keep and collate your data as it relates to tourism and your stay over visitors. He goes on to say that you risk, that there's a risk of pursuing this dual destination policy, or the risk is that it is likely to have a devastating result for Cayman's tourism while primarily benefiting other countries' tourism destinations at the cost of Cayman's um, airlift that is underwritten by the Caymanian taxpayer. So in other words, what's the purpose of this? If you want more stayover tourists, you focus on your core marketing strategy for that. Why are we introducing this concept of dual destination tourism? Jude Scott's position is, well, number one, you never even mention it to the board. Not that you need their position, your, their, um, permission as the minister said, we don't need your permission. That's, I don't think that's the point that Mr. Jude was saying. He was saying, if you're considering it, wouldn't you talk to all of the stakeholders first before you then announce said policy to the public? Cayman Airways is the biggest stakeholder. They're the ones that you're using 
to deploy this dual destination strategy. And then he goes on to talk about, because in his opinion, again, I'm interpreting his letter, it hasn't really been thought through properly. There's a lot of questions in the minds of people. How does this really benefit the people that came around? So let me tell you all something. The Department of Tourism gets a budget. Part of their budget is marketing this destination. Unlike many other jurisdictions, they do not have the benefit of certain um, brands. So say, for example, sandals in Jamaica, right? They're in Jamaica. When they market, they're marketing both for their properties and Jamaica, and they have a multi-million dollar budget. Cayman doesn't necessarily have those types of brands here that will oftentimes be in a position to do that. We have spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on, we just have a new tourism strategy, Dream Cayman. We're encouraging people to come here with a creative dream of what this island is. We claim that we're going after high-end tourists and this is you know, the destination for that. Yes, it's gonna cost you a little bit extra to have your experience here, but it's about quality, not quantity. So for me, and this is a new campaign because it was supposed to launch right before um, COVID. <clears throat> COVID hit and then the world went to hell in a handbasket. And so now DOT is in the middle of rolling this out, right? They got print magazine, they've got all kinds of stuff that they're gonna be rolling it out with. They've not yet had an opportunity to properly do that. So already skipping and hopping to a new strategy when you're not even done with the current one seems a bit like you need to focus, right? Don't rush to do everything at once. Get something right. Deploy this strategy of dream came in. See if it's actually going to work first before you start doing anything else. Talk to your key stakeholders. Yes, you can't announce something like this without Cayman Airways being involved. They could have given you some feedback. Maybe they don't support it. And if they don't support it, here's why. Here's where we see an issue. And then the ministry would be in a position to say, well, you know, this is why that's not going to be an issue. This is why we think we've got this under control. This is how we're going to address this, that, and the next thing. I think that's all he was saying. He wasn't saying that he needed permission or the ministry needed permission from him to deploy strategy. He's saying if your deployment of a new strategy, which is a big, big deal, is going to impact the national airline, which it would, we are merely asking for the courtesy of an audience and we are merely asking for the courtesy of being kept informed. That's it. That's all he's saying. We could have given you some feedback. We could have given you our position on this. Now, if you don't care what the airline thinks, well then, you know, that's one thing, I suppose. But I think it's a fair request. I think it's a fair point. 
Scott says um, dual destination could be very positive for Cayman Islands tourism. Well, it's entirely possible. I see the minister calling again. <laughs> minister, this is why I told you, let me go through the whole thing. And then we have a conversation afterwards. Because at the end of the day, you'll be calling me all day. All right, hold on. Yes, minister. <laughs> Good morning, sir. Oh, hold on. I think I got to put you in. There we go. Bluetooth. There we go. Hello, minister. Morning. I, I, maybe I fooled myself into believing that I could have a reasonable conversation with you on national um, radio. But um, um, I get, again, no, but, but it, it's, it's, you're throwing, it's un- you're throwing shade again. Yeah, because 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 you yet again have uh, I, I told you information. For one, you said the board wasn't consulted. There was a board member on the trip. I never and the other part you said that I've announced no, a but not, policy. Not, not the trip. I mean, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, right? But but before you made a trip, was there no discussion about it before the trip? Like I'm confused. The the discussion was within the ministry. Okay. So it's so so if so for example. If the in the, the heart of this all started from the fact that this is a topic of discussion from all ministers of the Caribbean, right, at the CTO conference, which you are fully aware of because I announced it on your show. So the topic is multi-destinational travel, right? One of the ministers from Jamaica is the, the, the architect of the theory for more benefits to the whole region, right? Mm-hmm. So because he's on the panel, I'm also on the panel, we discuss. We wanted to discuss where the discussion was going to go to. How is it beneficial to the whole of the Caribbean? Mm-hmm. Now, with Cayman Airways being only one of four carriers in the whole of the Caribbean, I thought just in case any discussions or opportunities for Cayman Airways came up, let me take a representative from Cayman Airways. And I explained to you before, the chairman wasn't here, the deputy chairman wasn't there, so I brought another member. So you can't say that they were not involved. And that's what I'm talking about. You're painting a picture as if to say, I did not have Cayman Airways involved, and that's not true. Well, I'm not painting and the fact, picture, and, and, and I'm reading you, the letter. So are you no, saying... You, you, made, a, you, you made, assumption, made an assumption. You made an assumption. Sorry, go ahead. Listen, let's be sorry. very clear go now ahead, to ahead, what the man says. Yeah. He says the board was not consulted or provided any advice on this. That's not my picture. Well, well, That's what Mr. Well, well, Jim for, Scott said. So fine, you, fine. Hold on for a second. Okay, let me let me let me let me address that. Yes, yeah. I think he did. Hundred okay. percent. So so first off, if the government, through me as minister, through us as ministry and the Department of Tourism, want to investigate a potential opportunity, we have a right to go out and investigate that and then come back and say, listen, as a policy, here's what we want to do. So for one, there was no policy announcement. So I, I think you referred to before I announced it. There was no announcement that this is a, uh, that this is what's going to happen. Well, I, I it's even, a part I even of the said that, you know, if there was an announcement, I missed it because I never heard, really knew anything exactly. about it. But that's my... That's my point. So you're painting, I mean, or allowing to paint or through his letter saying that we announced that we're going to do multi-destination travel. And that's not a fact. It is a part of the discussion for all ministers of the Caribbean in the upcoming conference. So obviously there's going to be dialogue on, uh, on the theoretical elements of what it takes to have multi-destination travel. And also, what is the benefit for Cayman? I've had discussions on radio to say this may not be beneficial for Cayman, but what the other part is that is potentially beneficial for Cayman Airways is that 
we have four amazing new planes, thanks to the last government and the last minister, that, that needs to be in the air more often to get better value out of them. Because them being on the ground, we're losing money. It's an asset that has to be running, right? So like, a lot of people don't know, Cayman Airways actually used to be the flight carrier for Turks and Caicos. So we used to do flights from, from Turks and Caicos to other jurisdictions. So we had more routes so the, so the airline can make money. So it's obviously, it's my obligation as minister to see if there is opportunities for the national airline through this discussion and theory of multi-destinational travel. So the, the, the trip was merely simply an investiga investigatory um, element of, is there a benefit here? There was no policy announced. Now, I think that maybe because it wasn't him that went, he felt that he wasn't discussed. But for one, the ministry has the authority or, or the directive from a policy perspective, not him as chairman. And I mean, in all due respect, I understand he wants to be included and he wasn't here to be included. Another member was. And then if we do come to that policy direction, which would never even happen until after the conference, where the region and all ministers agree to this theoretical approach, only then there would be a policy if the government decides to go down this route because they see a benefit, then the board would be involved. So yes, he's right that, you know, get some guidance from a member of, 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 of the, the, the board or the committee of Cayman Airways, but a member was there. He wasn't here to do so. So I, again, I, I'm only saying that because I don't want the public to think that rightfully so I'm going to go have discussions about Cayman Airways without them knowing a board member was there and a, a very, a very qualified one, I dare say, because he wasn't just a regular board member. And I say that in the sense of he came with a background as a pilot at Cayman Airways for many decades. Can I so ask you, he would probably, he would probably been better suited than Jude himself. Sorry, let go me, ahead. Let me ask you a question, right? If mm. you start in, in your brain to um, hear discussions and you're starting to think about it, about dual destination tourism, right? Wouldn't one mm -hmm. of the first people that you would engage, even if he's not available to go on this trip, and like I said, I don't know all the details of this trip or whatever, but wouldn't mm -hmm. you pen an email, um, have a quick little meeting with Jude Scott to say, hey, you know, this is something post-COVID that's coming up quite a bit um, regionally. Mm -hmm. We have the CTO mm -hmm. coming and we would, mm -hmm. um, you know, be interested in um, potentially having a discussion even about this. Uh, feel yeah, free of course. To start, of feel course. free to start formulating your thoughts and ideas. Um, you know, I'm going to be taking this trip coming up in such and such a date. I know you're unavailable, mm -hmm. so I'm going to take your board member. You see the approach, well, well, right? Well, the, the approach is No, no. Okay, so so we're going to talk about approach. Let me explain to you what the series of events. For one, we weren't sure we were going to go to Jamaica or if I even had an opportunity to see Mr. Bartlett to discuss the upcoming panel discussion, right? Mm -hmm. So we didn't know that was going to happen. It was last minute. And when I did find out I was going, I did call Jude. Jude was in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So next in line is the deputy. Called to find out if the deputy would be there. He was also going so, to be off island. So, so me, therefore, me, I asked another member. Ask you, let me ask you a question. You called him and he's in the Philippines, but did you tell him that you were going to be having this discussion and this was on the table? And when he returns from the Philippines, you need to have a sit down conversation to see whether or not uh, this is something that Cayman Airways might potentially be able to do or accommodate or be on board with or whatever? Like, I mean, what did you, when you- Well, I mean, if, if you, you if you bring a met, hold, hold on, let me answer the question then. So if we have a board member and the chief officer who is also on the board, there are the discussion at the next available meeting, an update on the trip, what happened, what potential opportunities may or may not be there would be discussed then. 
for one, I don't even, I wasn't even aware he was off island. So I wasn't made aware. I was going to say, listen, I'm not going to be here if any emergency comes up. This is the next person you talk to. So I wasn't given that privilege either. But you can't say that I wasn't, he wasn't reached out to, to discuss or be involved. And, but the, the sad part about this, I shouldn't be, we shouldn't have to have this discussion about calling him in front of when he was there and when he wasn't there. It kind of, it kind of, it's kind of a little bit petty that we're going through that part, right? The a board member was involved in the discussion. So it wasn't hidden from the Cayman Airways management team. Unless you're suggesting that uh, one of the board members, if the deputy, uh, the chair and the deputy is unavailable, that one of the board members couldn't go. He was the next most qualified person to go. Anyway, um, so, yeah. so I just one thing I wanted to make clear is there is no set policy okay. about well, multi-destinational travel. Good, the board, the, I was the, the board, myself. Exactly. So, so there was no announcement. Like you rightfully said, you didn't see any because there's none. Mm-hmm. It was a mere discussion about what are the opportunities of multi-destinational travel? And I said this, or I think it was on OC's show. The truth is, Cayman has a unique position better than most other Caribbean islands, mm-hmm. right? Whereby um, they need tourism numbers to increase more than we do. But Jamaica you mean you say, okay, well, Hold on a second. no, I'm not talking about Jamaica. I'm not talking about Jamaica. Oh, I'm not talking about Jamaica. Tur- so, so, so you have a lot of what? other minister. Turks and Caicos is, kick, yes. is kicking her ass in tourism since last year. They were both okay. about it. So who, who else, okay. are so, we, who else needs better numbers than us? We better try and focus on okay. our own house. <laughs> okay. Just, fine. 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 That's, that's, that's okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's leave that. <laughs> Listen, hear me. Let's leave let me say, let me say this then. I can only go five, ten minutes into overtime. Go ahead. Wrap okay, up. so so you're saying that the other, there's a lot of other Caribbean islands, and I don't want to highlight the specific names. I don't want to be like I'm calling them out and they're not doing well. But there's other Caribbean islands that tourism is not uh, as great as a, a industry for them than us. Mm-hmm. So we're in a great position, right? And the part about getting Jamaican tourists to come here is not the focus. One of the things that, that maybe the public is not aware of is Jamaica has had a great opportunity to, to invite two major um, airlines, which is the Emirates, uh, I can't remember the, the other name of the other airline, that would be flying directly from Asia and the Middle East to the hub of the Caribbean through Jamaica because of its airports. Now, when you say, is there any benefit in that for us? Of course there's benefit because we don't normally get those people at all. So it would only increase our numbers if in fact there is a multi-destination option for them to say, if they go to Jamaica and then they hop to St. Lucia or they go to Jamaica and drop to, uh, hop, hop, hop to Cayman or any other island. So that's the multi-destinational theory from a theoretical perspective because these are, these are airlines and populations of people or NASA, these are people who normally don't come to the Caribbean because there's no flights and no routes. So, so my job is to investigate if there's opportunities. So, you, you, I mean... I, obviously, okay, he's come not, to a conclusion that that's not good, right? But well, I mean, anyway. yeah, let's 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 leave it there because I think I see exactly what the problem is, and um, I'm going to give you this this bit of advice, Minister. And I think this is something mm. that when it, particularly with you, this is probably really really good advice. You are preempting and probably shooting yourself in the foot by saying things and speaking on things before you should do so. So listen to me carefully. This is a perfect example with this dual okay. destination thing, right? So you're doing yeah. some investigative trips. You said you're taking a board member, you're thinking about it, no policies there yet. Um, you guys are mm. having the discussion. There is no need mm. to share that with the public. It's not- It wasn't shared with the public. So it's an it article that came out of, 
because it came out of Jamaica. The minister over there announced it, and then somebody got hold of it over here and go, "Oh, I'm hearing the Cayman Islands is 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 investigating this," and then it went blew out of the proportion. And that's why I'm surprised by the chairman not even calling me saying, "Okay, minister, can you tell me um, is this something that we're doing?" He just <laughs> Anyway, just, well, I guess a lot of people I, I tried. I really those, tried today yeah, to try to give some clarity. Um, so, right, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all right, Donna. Yeah. Enjoy the rest. <laughs> enjoy the rest of your show. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. What a mess. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think that that um, you know, if if you're having closed door meetings with industry partners, even in Jamaica, how does that then come out as though kind of trying to make it sound like it's a done deal? You know, um, again. I don't know what the Jamaica context was, and I don't know um, exactly what they said on it, but clearly there is an impression, even from the former chairman of Cayman Airways, that um, this discussion had advanced quite substantially. Otherwise, Jude Scott, who's an other, a very intelligent man, would not be wasting pen and paper, including that as point number two in his letter, in his resignation letter. But you see, this happens a lot where something is in its infancy. It's not done, but we're rushing to, for whatever reason, to try to put stuff out there in the, in the metaverse to make, oh, I'm doing this and this means slow your roll, pull back, right? When we have a policy, when we know, are we going in this direction? We're exploring it, whatever, then you speak on it. It's, let's move on. Um, he talks about, and in relation to the dual destination, he also says that support for Cayman Ray's marketing partnerships and value creation for the jurisdiction. So if we did a joined up approach, um, locally, we could be exploring some of those other options. For example, he said that we could get, oh gosh, hold on. Oh, I got to take my cough medication after the show. He said that we could get um, <clears throat> leisure and business travelers, for example, from teaming up with Invest Cayman, partnering with them in Cayman Airways. That would allow us to leverage business travelers and charters even. You know, people have conferences and all kind of stuff here. <clears throat> They're returning to that lifestyle now. Post-COVID. Anyway, little K-Man. Let's talk about this hot mess because this I did not know. Ooh, this one was shocking. Apparently, I didn't even know what the airfield was called in Little K-Man, but it's the Edward Bodden airfield. And... um. In March of 2022, Cayman Airways board presented the government with what it says is some critical issues and recommendations relating to the Cayman Airways, um, the Little Cayman situation. What's the Little Cayman situation? And he said that in that correspondence, they said this situation required urgent attention. We have an unlicensed aerodrome. 
Mm-hmm. Now, this is safety and protocols, proper flight protocols and stuff like that. <clears throat> and we have an unlicensed aerodrome. And because it's an unlicensed aerodrome, Cayman Airways, the airline, has to be the Little Cayman Air Service Operation. And they then have to get approval, approval, my apologies, by way of temporary waivers from the Civil Aviation Authority. Normally that's done on an annual basis or it can be more frequent. <clears throat> right? Mm -hmm. If the waiver is not granted, Cayman Airways would have to stop operations into Little Cayman. Interesting. He goes on to say that the waiver places operational constraints plus restrictions on service to aircraft of 19 seats or less. So they can only use the twin otters, which accommodate 12 to 15 passengers per trip and their luggage. So to accommodate the luggage demand and 12 to 15 passengers. I, I didn't know any of this stuff, but little came out. I must tell you, this was educational. So because the government has not designated an aerodrome airport operator for Little Cayman, <clears throat> in absence of a designated one, they have to obtain this waiver and it forces Cayman Airways to take on a quasi or quasi, however you want to pronounce it, air operator responsibilities, which really isn't what Cayman Airways is in the business of. They're not an air operator. I mean, they're not an airport operator. They're an airline. And there is a difference. Here's the other bit of shocking news. Most of the little Cayman airstrip, the airway, the runway, sits on land that is not owned by the government. Hmm. And what that means... <clears throat> is that they're leasing the land, right? And a few months ago, the chief officer reported to the Cayman Airways board that research indicates that most of the land was not owned by government and government does not have any current leases to operate an aerodrome on the properties. Again, it's a legality but legalities are important. And folks, legalities can get you in trouble. Yes, that's commentary because I know this for a fact. All right. Yes. Let me see what this person sent to me. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> That's a problem. So he recommended that government sorts out the leases with the landowners. They've either expired and they haven't been renewed. So two things there, proper licensed airdrome facility for Little Cayman and the designation of the airdrome operator for Little Cayman not being Cayman Airways. And sort out your leases as well as liability insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Because now you got people <clears throat> working on a 
um, operating on an airstrip, on a runway that you don't even have proper insurance on. Ooh, honey child, one little accident. And CIG gonna be in trouble. They talking about they, they not got no money for your pay increase that came in anyways. Make that twin order, have a little crash and somebody get injured and you're gonna see, they're gonna have to find some millions of dollars to be paying people. Uh, these things are, are quite important to have in place. The fact that they could say that this was the position in March and here we are going into six months and it hasn't yet been resolved. Nobody, how, how hard is it to get a lease updated to make sure it's current, to sign off on the lease? This is not rocket scientists. Government has a contingent of lawyers available. We have an entire department. If there was a previous lease that I had expired, is it not just a matter of updating it, making sure that it's current and in place as it should be? This is the kind of slackness that we do not expect. And I'm not saying that the minister is the one who must go around saying, okay, dude, we have leases for this profit. That falls actually to his chief officer. But if the chief officer brought it to your attention and still nothing has been done to rectify it, as minister, you need to be saying to your chief officer, um, excuse me, Mr. Strandbodden, Back in March, you made mention of the fact that the leases on the Cayman Airways runway are out of date or whatever. Has that been rectified yet? Because ultimately, you know, the minister is going to be held responsible for these types of things. I'm surprised that they haven't even acquired that property. Why are we leasing the airstrip from somebody else? Like why over the years, and again, this isn't a government situation, but why would that have not been purchased? It seems a bit strange that we are leasing our airstrip from private land owners in Little Cayman, doesn't it? Before land becomes unaffordable, I know that's not a word. Is it, is it a word? Unaffordable? Soka, soon tell me. Um, in Little Cayman, see about acquiring the, the land for the airstrip. Anyway, folks, that's a summary of Mr. Jude Scott's resignation letter. It highlights uh, what he says is some critical issues that needed to be addressed. He's of the opinion, essentially, that he was not getting enough time with the minister and that those critical issues were not being addressed and not being prioritized. And so as a result, <clears throat> he thanked them for the appointment and basically said, he loves his country and he's happy to serve where he can, but it sounds like the man just isn't gonna be wasting any more of his time. It's quite unfortunate that there wasn't some sort of a meeting of the minds to even preempt this situation. Like if, if he's saying, you know, I've been trying to get in, get meetings with you, whatever, I'm sure that means that he would have sent messages, emails, WhatsApp, something to say, I need to meet with you about a few things. And if he felt like he was being ignored, I could really understand um, why he is stepping down.
time is valuable and nobody wants to waste their time. So um, they were supposed to put Chris Bergstrom in there and then I guess they saw our report, which kind of leaked that. And then they backtrack and said they're putting somebody else there on an interim basis. All right. <clears throat> we'll see um, how it plays out. Yes, Ms. Brenda says in all fairness, um, shouldn't the little key man situation been rectified by all the previous governments? Yes, that's what I just said. I'm not trying to blame Pat government for that. But now that they're in there, part of their job is to clean up the mess from other governments. That's what they promised us in any event. So they didn't create it, but they're now responsible for cleaning it up. And we should be holding those previous administrations responsible who never did anything. Like I've sent it FOI, when did the leases expire? How long have they been expired for? Because we need to know. And this is also the civil service now to blame because that's part of their job. They should have a core database of all government leases. People like legal departments should have access to it, each individual ministry. And in an annual basis, they go through and review, when is this lease up? When do we need to re-sign it? When, you know, liability insurance. That is just being organized. If you're organized, you should have all those things in place. So maybe that's more of a sad indictment on the civil service than it is even on, well, like I said, the minister is not personally responsible for those things. So Mr. Strandbaden, you brought it to Kim and Ray's attention, but what did you do about it? Slackness. One final word um, on the Cal Thompson situation. Somebody said, I can't believe he actually called you and then threw shade. Now is not the time to speak about Tiffany what? Wow, glad he called so people can hear and see how out of depth he is. Smells like desperation. Sorry, you were his match though. Uh, he can't spar with UTD. What a mess. Um, yes. Okay, so we are in a little bit of overtime. Um, so we might just cut the feed on, um, <laughs> on Bobo, but listen. As it relates to the Cal Thompson situation, from all of the research that I've been able to do, and I've now sent them some questions as well, this is just a matter of, because I was thinking, was this a situation where he's going to get more benefits if he retires as a captain? Like, what's the point? No, it's just about optics. It's just about him being able to um, uh, it's, it's just about him being able to um, retire and say, oh, I retired as a captain. But what you've now done, I don't know who made this decision. I doubt this was a board decision, but I do not know, right? What this has now done is this has undermined your existing employees at Cayman Airways. Some of them have already left and gone on to be pilots elsewhere because they're like, there's no fairness in the process. If you have someone who is a first officer and you're training them to be on the jets, you step them up, you know, it is what it is. In relation to the circumstances under which he left previously and was gone for 25, 30 years or whatever it was, I understand that he was in the position of either CEO or managing director, whatever they called it at the time. They fired him from that role, not as a pilot. So I wanted to clarify this to be very, very fair and accurate about the Cal Thompson situation. 
He then decided, because they fired him from that job, that he was not going to stay on as a pilot, and he left. When they brought him back in 2016, it was out of desperation. I guess they were short on pilots. <clears throat> now, that's a long time to not be flying a big jet, but I guess he's been okay doing it. I mean, I haven't heard any incidents or whatever. But everyone is like his tenure would have started when he came back for captain in 2016. So how does he bypass guys who've been in the lineup, who've done the training, who've been waiting patiently to go from first officer to that captain role, right? And then the, the, the sort of like additional dig at the wound is because he's only gonna be captain for a couple months. People are like, he's retiring. Six months, he's gonna be 65 years old. What sense does that even make? Makes zero sense. So there you have it. Anthony says, a little Cayman airstrip has been a deal that has been ignored for years on end until a major incident then. Uh, Jerry Ann says, an old and wise friend would always say, useless. Ms. Brenda says, in fairness, shouldn't a little... Yes, I think I read that one right. Jonathan says, the people from abroad are the only people that can afford it now in terms of land. Brenda says, yes, to um, Anthony's comment, sound effects now. <laughs> she wants the sound effect. Kaboom! There you go. Sabrina said he succeeded in slowing Sandra down. Nobody slows down the truth chain, honey child. Uh, Ms. Carroll says Jude Scott's resignation and oversight at Caminary is a huge setback for a national airline. I hope that he reconsiders. Well, I don't know if he got the patient a job. But um, at the end of the day, folks, we will continue. We will continue uh, shining a light on the truth. Don't be afraid of the truth. Don't get offended by the truth. You don't have to like the truth. You don't have to agree with it. It doesn't matter. We're just here on the cool hard truth to tell you like it is. Now, y'all have a safe weekend. Um, Please, right? I want to make sure, because y'all love to drink and drive. Y'all need to stop drinking and driving. I saw this vehicle. I'm trying to get the video of this one to show you guys how slack people are in the roadways. This woman ran into a Port Authority truck, smashed up her little car. This is the one that was by South Palms or whatever the other day. And she's left it parked there. And the people are like, you need to move this crappy vehicle that's been an accident. And so when we posted it up, she had the audacity to message me asking me to take down the picture. Oh, it's being resolved by insurance, whatever. I don't care. If you parked it in somebody else's property, you need to move it. And now that it's been posted, people are coming out saying, oh, yeah, she was drunk as a skunk. Oh, my gosh. And this isn't the first time. Oh, my gosh. What are you saying? Accident yesterday. The, the tattoo parlor guy totals his car. People saw him speeding by Caymana Bay like a bat out of hell. Then he ends up in a light pole in the roundabout. Knocks onto the light pole, damaging government property. Damages his nice looking car. I don't even know what kind of car it was. People say, oh, that's a nice car, whatever. And then everybody's like, didn't he just smash up a BMW the other day? Y'all need to slow down. 
even if you don't value your own life, which is clear, that is obvious, please value the lives of other people who have to use the roadway. This accident yesterday is the middle of the day, for God's sake. The same way he ran into light pole and ran into roundabout, he could have hit somebody with school children in the car. Rocket says, stay home and drink. Turn on your yard with your liquor. Turn on your yard with your stupid driving. Slow it down. It's not a racetrack. That's the best advice I got for the weekend. Now, we got to talk about some court cases on uh, Monday's show. We've got the Brandon Leslie case. He went to jail for 16 years now. Bloop. Jeez, I'm pace. That um, judge wasn't playing around. And then we have a couple other young Caymanians being arrested for guns and drugs and all kind of other foolishness. Y'all want to play bad? These judges are sending a very, clear, very, very clear message. We will find space in Northward to lock you up for a long time. 16 years. Whoa. Even with your discount, you're still gone for a good solid 10. Anyway, folks, um, please enjoy the weekend. I know in Bobo, they've already cut the feed because they had um, a show after us that already was booked. Have a fantabulous weekend. Um, all I can hope is the Kim Ray situation, you know, can be resolved to everyone's um, satisfaction. I really think that Jude Scott was the right person for the job in so many ways. And I, you know, I, I think it's great that they have a um, pilot on the board. He can certainly bring certain things from that side of things. A pilot doesn't necessarily mean that you have, and this is why you mix up your boards in the way in which you do. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have um, the business acumen or other things. It means that you have the airline specific industry experience, at least from the perspective of a pilot. I'll keep you guys updated on how this all flushes out. Uh, I do have a doctor's appointment at 11 o'clock, so I'm going to run to that appointment. And then I've got some couple other things to do in the afternoon. And I'm going to Waffle Monkeys today to get my curry chicken cones. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm having a little cheat lunch today. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Y'all have a fantabulous day. Um, please, <laughs> Carmely coming in after nine, after 10 o'clock. What did she miss? Hit the rewind button. You can watch the show any day. Uh, on YouTube and Facebook. Oh, by the way, I think we have some news that I need to be queuing up. Hold on one second. I'll get this. Um, I totally forgot about the news segment today. So let me download this real quick. And then uh, we will add this on. And so, yes, uh, in the final analysis this morning, folks, ministers, um, don't, don't, get, don't get upset with me when I'm telling the truth. It's never personal. I really, really mean that with all honesty, right? I don't have nothing personal against nobody in the world of politics. Yes, some of you are liars. Yes, some of you need to do better. And that's not about it being personal. If you're a liar, you're a liar. <laughs> you know, it's not personal. Uh, some of you are duplicitous. Some of you are Spanish machettes. Um, I have hope uh, for this particular minister. I think that he is trying to do certain things. Um, but, you know, there, there are missteps that are definitely happening. The other thing is we've got a confirmed case of dengue fever. So the day before yesterday when I asked about it, my sources at public health said no, that that was a rumor. Lo and behold, y'all know how, what we says, Caymanians, if it don't go so, it go close to so. 
lo and behold, it was true. And the person is on, um, what do we call it again? They're in uh, isolation. It is an imported case. I don't have a whole lot of details about the individual. None of that, I suppose, really matters. It is an imported case. So they were, they have a travel history overseas. Just be careful now. We know the borders are open. Y'all traveling to and fro and whatever. Um, so try to be careful. Mosquitoes do bite you. Put on your, your mosquito, put on your sunscreen, put on your mosquito and insect repellent and try not to get bitten because um, these mosquitoes are like hell of a crazy. Debbie says, I left Cayman a couple of weeks ago. I have to try waffle monkeys when I return. Yes, girl. This is a Friday special today. Oh, the beautiful Miss Lisa. She says, where there is smoke, there is fire. Another very, very true Caymanian saying. I don't know if we invented it, but we say it all the time. Where there is smoke, there is fire, and you better believe it. So we're just here to expose the truth. And I know, I know it's a difficult pill to swallow, but it is what it is. All right, so you all have a beautiful day. Um, please stay tuned for the news segment. Kevin works very, very hard to put together the news for us to keep us all updated. Have a safe weekend, and I will see you guys on Monday. I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. Missing teenager Brianna Ebanks has been located. Police say the 14-year-old has been returned to her home and appears to be in good health. The Royal Cayman Islands Police Service is thanking the public for their help in Brianna's safe return. The Minister for Planning, Agriculture and Infrastructure, the Honorable Jay Ebanks, announced on Thursdays the cold hard truth of Sandy Hill that housing will be assisting Caymanians with home repairs for those who need the extra assistance. Here's part of what he had to say about it. We've heard so many people that applied through the LAU service through that um, needed help with the, um, from the GRACE program that we had put in place there. And there's still a lot more, so this was just a way of... Um, housing getting in there now to be able to help them you know we've got the contractors we've got you know we've got the project managers to help so we said that we would actually open up for the government's actually put a certain um, 500k one side directly to do um, housing repairs to try to get those numbers up and get those people that are dried in more or less that uh, you know houses have been leaking and we know we got rainy season you can find the full clip on cayman mall road's facebook page or watch the full show on facebook or on youtube the cayman islands could soon receive the new moderna covid19 booster vaccine which targets two variants of the coronavirus the new moderna vaccine has been approved for adult booster doses by the uk medicines and Healthcare products regulatory agency after it was found to meet the uk regulators standards of safety quality and effectiveness. The vaccine targets the original virus strain from 2020 and Omicron. The Cayman Islands Public Health Department has confirmed one case of dengue. Dengue, which is prevalent throughout certain countries in the region, is not considered to be endemic to the Cayman Islands, as historically there have been no sustained transmission of the disease. On average, there are one to four imported cases per year. However, in 2020 and 2021, there were no reported cases of dengue in the Cayman Islands. 
The Health Services Authority increased the minimum wage scale for its lowest paid employees after a recent review exercise. The increase will positively impact 78 employees, including those in housekeeping, porters, and non-emergency transport drivers. Prior to this increase, which was implemented on Wednesday, some workers were taking home less than $1,900 per month. Now the minimum scale has been increased to $2,231 per month for full-time HSA employees. The payroll change will go into effect on September 1st. The Anti-Corruption Commission arrested two men on Tuesday for breach of trust, fraud of the government, false accounting and transferring criminal property. Very little information was released about the two men. The only additional information the Anti-Corruption Commission gave is that both men are 44 years old, one lives in Prospect and the other in Georgetown. Also, that they were released on bail pending further increase. A press release stated the commission will not provide any further comment on the matter. Police continue to look for Luisto Eusebio Hernandez in relation to firearm offenses. He is considered armed and dangerous and should not be approached. If seen, call 911 immediately. The search is still on for two missing men. 53-year-old Noel Paul Manning has been missing since June 24th and 26-year-old Adrian Williamson has been missing since July 6th. Now you are asked to contact your nearest police station if you see them. We've posted more details of each of these stories on caymanmallroad.com. Now for a storm-ready Cayman update, it's brought to you by Home Gas. We continue to monitor a low pressure near the Windward Islands that is producing disorganized shower and thunderstorm activity. Now this system is expected to move westward over the next few days and enter the Caribbean Sea. Right now, the National Hurricane Center shows a low chance of development before the weekend, but environmental conditions could become more conducive for slow development once it approaches the Western Caribbean Sea next week. Now, please monitor this system and ensure you are ready should it develop and impact the Cayman Islands. Remember, we are approaching the time of year when the tropics usually become more active. Storm-ready Cayman updates are made possible thanks to home gas. Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters, sunrise at 6.09, partly cloudy skies are expected, the temperature rises to the high 80s but it will feel much hotter than that. When the high temperature is at 88 degrees Fahrenheit and the relative humidity is around 73% like the forecast calls for, the temperature will feel around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Winds east at 5 to 10 miles per hour, then the sun sets at 645. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the low 80s. Looking forward, similar weather conditions are expected. It's summertime, so hot days, warm nights with scattered showers are quite typical for this time of year. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price and we encourage you to support them. Now for some regional and international news. The government of Turks and Caicos Islands is reforming its national education and labor sectors to build the human capacity of its people and has turned to the University of the West Indies to strengthen its relationship with the regional academy. The TCI government also signaled its interest in the Turks and Caicos Islands Community College, advancing its partnership with the University of the West Indies. The executive chairman of Sandals Resorts International has expressed optimism about the state of recovery of the regional tourism industry and the prospects for the future. His optimism is underscored by the fact that the hotel chain recently opened its 16th resort in the region, Sandals Royal Curacao. 
The Stanos boss said this year has already exceeded 2019 occupancy levels and rates, and that September and October numbers are unlike any other the resort has seen before. Novak Djokovic will not play in the U.S. Open as expected because he is not vaccinated against COVID-19 and thus is not allowed to travel to the United States. Djokovic announced his withdrawal from the year's last Grand Slam tournament on Twitter on Thursday, hours before the draw for the event was revealed. Djokovic is a 35-year-old from Serbia who owns 21 major championships, one behind Rafael Nadal for the men's record. Russian President Vladimir Putin on Thursday ordered the Russian military to increase the number of troops by 137,000 to a total of 1.5 million amid Moscow's military action in Ukraine. Russian media and non-governmental organizations say Russian authorities have sought to bolster the number of troops involved in the military action in Ukraine by attracting more volunteers, engaging private military contractors, and even offering amnesty to some prisoners in exchange for a tour of military duty. That's it for now on The Daily Buzz. Thank you for joining me. Please stay safe and God bless.